The following episode of the Max Level Podcast is brought to you by OPC. Whether you're a master or grandmaster, you can't go wrong with OPC, the official gaming chair of Level Down Games. Featuring the ultimate level of luxury and performance, these chairs are fully backed by us after countless hours of use, and you can catch our unboxing and review over at leveldowngames.com. Upgrade your battle station today with the best chairs in the business. You're listening to the Max Level Podcast for April 29th, 2019. On today's show, more reports on new Nintendo Switch models. The crew goes in-depth with Mortal Kombat 11, Days Gone, and My Time at Porsche. They also discuss the end of Nintendo 3DS and if dedicated handhelds still have a place in the market. All this and the usual fun segments on today's episode of the Max Level Podcast. On with the show. Oh, I read an article on Kotaku that Nintendo's VR is not good. Is it? Is it not? They said that the Breath of the Wild modes and the Mario mode is like lackluster. That sucks. And then I thought about it more and I realized that the Switch is already not a robust system in handheld mode. And now you're telling it to generate two identical images of gameplay at the same time when it already struggles doing one. Could you imagine playing WWE? Oh man, that'd be that'd be that'd be that'd be actually that'd be horrific. It's, but it would be a comic strip, is what it would be. <laughs> but if you didn't know, this is Max Level, a weekly video game podcast found right here at Level Down Games. For those just joining us, welcome home. We're four friends that enjoy sitting around on a Saturday morning and discussing the latest involving the gaming industry, including what we've been playing. Joining us on this episode, we have Frank. <laughs> much, much better than what you just told me to call you, weirdo. Next up over there in the booth, you just heard him. It's Sean. Hey, no, uh, no silly, no silly taglines. I guess we could call them for you guys this week. It's uh, it's not earlier than normal. I just I'm more tired than usual and I can't think of anything funny. So maybe they'll return next week. Maybe they won't. Uh, Kyle is not here, unfortunately, this week. May he rest in peace. He is currently uh, doing his due diligence at uh, his actual job, if I'm not mistaken. He is at work. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Brian. Special shout out to Dance with the Dead for allowing us to use their music for our videos. Everyone absolutely needs to go check these guys out and support their music. They can be found on Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. Thanks are also in order to OP Seat the episode's official sponsor this week. Don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us and leave that five-star rating and a review so we continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. So I want to take a minute, and we've been talking a lot lately about future hardware. We've been talking about potential Switch updates. We've been talking about the PlayStation 5. We've been, which we'll have an update on in flavor text on Thursday if you want to tune in for that. But we've been talking about it so much lately, but there there really wasn't anything major that happened over the past seven days that was was bigger than when than the story that I saw here. So I want to get your guys's opinions on this. Bloomberg is also now reporting that Nintendo is going to likely release a, quote, new, cheaper version of the switch end quote, by the end of June. 
according to two people familiar with the matter who spoke to Bloomberg on the condition of anonymity. The existing Switch is reportedly going to receive a modest upgrade in 2019, but, quote, a more powerful version is not in the works, according to those people. So what this report is saying is that it's just the Switch Lite version that is currently in development and not a more powerful version at the current present time. That doesn't mean a more powerful switch wouldn't be coming later, just that it hasn't entered development yet. Nah, I, th- I think the more powerful switch is going to be the next gen. That probably makes sense. Nintendo went on to say after this report came out from Bloomberg, they issued their own statement and said that Nintendo has no plans to announce new hardware at E3 2019, which runs from June 11th to June 13th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Nintendo president and CEO Shantaro Fukawa said during the company's financial results briefing last week. Furikawa added that he has nothing to announce on potential new hardware, but that Nintendo is always developing hardware internally. So if the Bloomberg report ends up being true and that Nintendo plans to release a Switch Lite version by the end of June, we have to hear about it this well next month as we have one day left in april so we have to hear about it sometime in may right i guess i mean usually isn't may normally the pokemon direct may is normally the pokemon direct and that's kind of the question i want to pose pokemon being a much more handheld oriented game a game that most people have or everyone actually has played on either a game boy a game boy advance a nintendo 3ds or whatever nintendo ds could they announce the Switch handheld slash light version at the same time that they do a full information blowout on Sword and Shield? I think so, but I don't think they will. You think it'll get its own if it is coming in mm-hmm. June, it'll get its own maybe 15 minute presentation or something. I don't see why the hype train needs to be going full speed on this. Maybe I'm in the minority on, on that. The, on the handheld version? Yeah, because when they did like the 2DS and stuff like that, the hype train wasn't nearly as high. As like when they did the new 3DS, like I think the hardware upgrade is the one that requires the build because you're actually getting people to recommit. But for the for the handheld version, I feel like that's going to be like a shorter window, maybe even kind of like a Nintendo shadow drop where they like just come out and say, oh, yeah, next month. Look for this. Like when they do a direct whenever they're going to release it. I'm not found. I'm not putting that on a foundation already. That's just my opinion. I, I don't think that there needs to be this huge build up for it marketing wise or like announcing it in advance. And if you were going to announce it in advance, I don't know if you would do it in a direct because most of the people that are going to be buying that are people who don't have it now and they probably don't watch the direct. It's going to be like moms and dads who want to get it for their little kid for a holiday or something coming up in Q3 or Q4. True. So I don't know. I don't think that this honestly, I think it's just kind of like fake news at this point. It's just like, oh, there's something going on at Nintendo. We we think it's this, but so do you think they're at, do you think they're actually working? Man, okay. So I I didn't even realize it till just now, but our smaller scale discussion and our main discussion this week really do go hand in hand. So I really didn't even think about that right now until we started talking about this. And 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 we'll and we'll save a lot of we'll save a lot of what we're talking about, I guess, until later in the show. But Quick question to pose to you, Sean, before we get to the meat and potatoes of the discussion later on. 
Do you think they're working on a switch handheld? Yes. Okay. I think it's smart for them to have different models of the switch. My only fear is that if you downgrade the current switch too much, games are going to be more demanding down the line because they're trying to compete. They're trying to compete in like a, uh, I don't know, a hand-to-hand combat with these uh, PS4s and Xboxes right now. Like Nintendo is definitely going after the market for for dedicated gamers. They're not trying to be niche on this one. So to me, if you downgrade it, you you lose the ability to keep that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be like one of those those deals where you have the hardcore switchers and then you have the the casual like I just want to play my Pokemon and it doesn't require a lot of robust hardware to probably do it. That would be my fear. You're dividing your player base at that point. And it's going to be hard to cross over if you're a kid and you've got a switch and you want to play a really like awesome, robust game and you've got the switch light. How's it going to hold up? That makes sense. I, I agree with that. Yeah, no, I could I could totally see that. And I really, man, I want to take that and run with it now because that is the perfect transition to the game we've been playing over the past seven days. And I want to kick things off with we're, we're going to be talking about two games during this particular segment and then we're going to tie Sean's game into Tavern Talk as we did last week. But I, Frank, I want to start with you because Sean's saying that about the Nintendo Switch. You, the game you're talking about is Mortal Kombat 11. We're not even hiding that. You've been playing a good chunk of it. Or as I call it, Injustice 11. It really is. <laughs> it really is Injustice. But I don't know if you happen to see the Switch version. It looks like garbage. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Switch version looks like a PlayStation 2 game in certain points. Like the the character models are horrendous, dude. I, I legit pulled up side by sides on this one. To it's see, like, awful. It is so bad. I mean, at least to Warner Brother and NetherRealm's credit, it does play well. Like it seems like the animations and the frame rates seem okay. But to get it to run well, they had to scale it back significantly to the point where certain textures look like PS2 graphics. And it's, so, it's so bad. 2K kind of tried to do the same thing with WWE two years ago, but they didn't do it nearly as well. And it ended up not running. If you remember that controversy we yeah. talked about, like where the game just didn't run. So anyway, yeah, I just happened. Sean saying that about the handheld version of the switch really did trigger this man. Can you imagine Mortal Kombat 11 running on a even less powerful switch? And what that would look like <laughs> now hey to jump in on that real fast though this is the perfect way to hide crappy graphics is to have a high quality small screen yeah <laughs> that's the best way to do that, it that's that is what i don't I, I trust you that's why i didn't talk too much during this little beginning thing a lot of my thoughts are focused on that yeah you know? yeah. yeah but i i did pull up the side by side too and it's it's pretty bad Take it away, Frank. Let us know what you're uh, thinking. You're, you're the resident Mortal Kombat guy, so and it's years in the making. So in this game, I, I was going into expecting it to be very much like Mortal Kombat 10 or Mortal Kombat X or Mortal Kombat XL. Um, definitely different. Definitely, definitely different. The, the, the game has been incorporating a lot of uh, injustice stuff to it, where every character is customizable through gear and this and that. Uh, every... Uh, Along the fight, you get almost like the, the Injustice special moves. They call them fatal blows in this game. Yeah, that's new, right? I thought that was that's new. Right okay, but I, I mean, obviously, I remember that from Injustice 2, but I didn't remember if Mortal Kombat X had that or not. 
The previous games had something called X-ray moves. That's right. Okay. Which uh, I think if, if you, I think you built those up by doing really well, or you got them by getting your ass kicked one or the other. But uh, yeah, this game has <laughs> this, this game has the, has the, the fatal blow. Uh, this game made it a lot easier to do brutalities. Uh, there are some negatives to this. Uh, I mean, if, uh, I'll talk about the puzzles first. I'll, I'll, I'll have the negatives at the end. The story mode was superb. Is it though? Yes, it, it is because it definitely. I'm not finished. I'm not finished with it yet. Keep that in mind. I have yet to finish the story content in Mortal Kombat 11. I'm not, not going to spoil the story either. But I haven't even popped the halfway trophy yet. I think I'm on chapter four. The story definitely ties together the past games. It ties together the current game. Uh, references every which way but loose. Uh, every burning thing you could possibly think of like story-wise that you wanted to hear is resolved uh this is like the avengers endgame of uh of mortal kombat's okay okay i, I was gonna just joke around spoil it i'm, I'm only kidding uh I don't think, do it i think that <laughs> i think that the story is too convoluted with time travel mechanics time travel always gives you a crazy story yeah, but it's not believable. <laughs> well, it neither is Outrealm and Earthrealm and guy, the Underrealm. A guy wearing a big skull mask with, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> the, the, main, the main protagonist of this game, uh, her name is Kronika. She's a, a time. She, she's the, the titan of time. She's an antagonist, by the way. Is she? Is she? Is she bad or good? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't finished the game. <laughs> Roll the heroes of her own story. She's the antagonist. Yes. She's an antagonist. Clearly from the start. She's a great character. I like her character a lot. Who she is. Is a spoiler. Okay. But she does. Other than the fact that she's the Titan of time. So. Okay. She's she's important. Every. She, she, she ties together every Mortal Kombat game. So it's, it's a big it's, it's a big it's a big deal. It's really it's well, every Mortal Kombat game since the reboot, every Mortal Kombat. Game. Well, I know that because they're trying to go back and she wants to make history the way it was before the reboot in 2009. Was it 2009? No, no I'm telling you, every single Mortal no, Kombat game. Uh, she is the goddess of time and timelines. So everything is canon. Right. That's what I'm saying. So she's she's trying to take things back to the beginning. Every, every reboot, every, every possible character ending for a game, every thing. So she, she's that's yeah. why I think it's too much. That's why I think they're trying to do too much with the story and that I'm not connecting with it as much as I want to. I, I hear that. But like for what it does is it makes everything make sense for once. And the voice acting was pretty good. I, I thought it was, I wasn't going to like Ronda Rousey. She's, uh, she's, not, she's, she's not good to Sonya Blade. What are you talking about? You didn't like her performance, Sonya Blade? No, not at all. Wow, you're a tough critic. It reminded it reminded me of her on the WWE mic, man. It just wasn't good. I don't think you're far enough into. I really appreciate it then. We'll see. We'll see if my my opinion changes. Yeah, but from she touched her brother heart. From what I've seen of her in the first few chapters, I just haven't been impressed. Okay, so you're not far enough in. Okay. Um. Yeah, she's a good. She's, she's she she did well. I'll, I'll give I'll give I'll give Rhonda her credit. I'll trust you. What I don't like, though, uh, actually, let's, let's see what I like. I'm sorry. Fighting mechanics. They definitely tightened it all up. There's wave dashing. Yeah. Yeah. So like all, 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 all those things that you know we wanted every little bit. The canceling system is really good. The tutorials are pretty deep. I'm, I'm learning how to do things I 
never knew how to do a Mortal Kombat, which were no, probably were always there. I think this is probably the deepest the fighting mechanics have been in Mortal Kombat, which is nice. That that is one of my biggest positives is how deep the combat mechanics actually go. I've been able to hit these combos through timing and getting better, like that were almost impossible back in the day. Uh, and I like it. It's it's, it's good. Um, what I don't like it, and a lot of people kind of echoing my sentiments because WB loves their microtransactions. This game is riddled with them. Oh, no, the, the entire the entire Towers of Time mode is 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 an abomination. No, 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 it's not. Towers yeah, of Time it is. is great. No, it isn't. Towers of Time is a rotating thing that you have to use to unlock equipment for your characters and things in the game to use different stupid little consumables even that you can get. Everything is free. Everything is free, but you can buy it to increase your unlocking. You can you have direct control of of how fast you're going to obtain everything and how slow you're going to obtain everything. If you choose to unlock it as free, sure, you can, Frank, but it's going to take you hours upon hours upon hours, thousands of hours to unlock everything. It's the injustice model that you you wanted to compare it to yeah. earlier. It's the same controversy that that game went down. It's the same controversy that all of these games that add a mode like this, a a rotating mode where you unlock things that aren't guaranteed. It's the same controversy that these types of modes always get. It always gets hounded negatively by critics and game companies keep doing it because consumers pay for it. It's the it's it's our issue. We keep paying for it. I don't. But there's oh, a lot I of people out there. And yeah, I know you won't either. But there's a lot of people out there that will. And it's those people that keep getting these modes back into the game. So while we may not like it critically, they keep putting it in there because they do well. <laughs> I, I like challenge, but yeah, you're you're right with that. It's it's nonsense. Uh, a real dick move on their part, if I may say. I hopped the you know, the the, the, game, the in-game store is there. Like you, know, you hit the hit the, the, the I think it's R two. You pull up the in-game store. They're trying to sell you a, a character who is freely unlockable in the game. Oh yeah, for for six, for, for six dollars, and you who who you get, and it tells you in chapter four, which takes no more than three hours to get. <laughs> that's that, that that's a dick move and you know what they did that with uh injustice with uh i believe it was dark side yeah it's same thing man same model they're it's literally the same model i'll tell you i think the reason why they do that is because they're trying to cater to the two types of people who would play these types of games so you have the the one type which is you guys which actually enjoys playing the story mode and then you have type two who just wants to buy it out of the box and go play online. And, and so that's the part where I see the, the blurred line on their end. Like, hey, you want to make it accessible now and you don't want to play the story mode? Just want to get on there and get into the e-circuit? Okay, pay six bucks. That's not, to me, that's not a bad give either because if I want to start playing now and I don't have three, four hours to go unlock the character, I'd, I'd pay it. But that's... That's um, coming from me, and I, I know that I'm the minority on that. But you, know, you, oh, you look at she's she's not even worth it. I I definitely have had fun with Mortal Kombat 11. Again, I'm only like I said, I'm on chapter four, so I haven't actually officially unlocked that character yet that Frank you were talking about. But I do know because it tells you in the little description it unlocks during chapter four. The final little thing I want to touch on with Mortal Kombat 11 mm -hmm. is the crypt, because because Brian mentioned something to me, and it was it's pretty spot on. He goes. When did the crypt become a little mini uh, anthologies? Yeah, it really is now. I mean, you you literally are controlling a character, third person view, walking around. How you have direct control of the camera, 
and you are going through Shang Tsung's island in the crypt and exploring these rooms in different areas of, of his island and mansion, unlocking treasure chests with the coins that you get in game and earning rewards that way as well. <laughs> and wow, it sounds like Topol number one or something. Yeah. <laughs> and as you as you walk around, you could pick up an item like uh, the hammer, uh, Shao Kahn's hammer and break through walls and do these different things. And, you know, that's how you get access to other rooms. Now, Again, people complaining because that is so gated because it is it takes forever to earn the currency to do. I don't know if you saw they're putting out an update and they're giving everyone. I think it was 100,000 coins. I could use it it too. It's either 100,000 or it's 500,000. I can't remember exactly how much it is, but they're definitely going to allow people to progress further because they didn't mean, at least from what I understand, or at least what they're saying now is that the team didn't mean for it to be as skated as it was. That that probably is backtracking, though, on their part. And as much as I hate to say this, I would pay 10 bucks for a full crypt unlock. Didn't they used to offer that? Yeah, I thought I would so. Pay the, I would pay the 10 bucks because not that it's not fun. Actually, it gets a little it actually kind of gets fun in the crypt uh, going through and getting the items to do certain things like solve puzzles and stuff to open up more areas. Mm-hmm. I want all my stuff for the game. I want a complete game. I want to. I want. I want to have a really cool looking scorpion who I've been meaning, and I'm really good at. And I can't wait to battle other people as him. WWE actually does that. They offer the thing where you can pay to like fully unlock your my player and that kind of stuff, like yeah. the attributes. Yeah, you can totally do that. But honestly, I'm more excited for the DLC than anything else. Uh, the character, the, the characters who uh, I don't know if you saw the leak. Of, mm, of, 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 maybe, maybe the Terminator is going to be in the game. Oh yeah, Spawn is going to be in the game. Joker is going to be in the game. That's going to be your their crossover. I oh yeah yeah yeah. I remember seeing that. I remember and, and not Joker from Persona Five. We're talking Joker no, no, from no. DC. <laughs> uh, Ash from Army of Darkness will be your your horror crossover. Okay, I did I did see this exact list somewhere. I, I then uh, I do believe Nightwolf, Sindel, Shiva, and I think Fujin was the other random one they, they put in there. Nightwolf is the character I'm sad is not in the base roster at the moment. I like playing as Nightwolf. So do I. Yeah, I, I, I like playing as Nightwolf and he's not there at the moment. <laughs> the, the, the other negative thing I have with it is uh, there are multiple versions of the same character. There's, you know, there's it's a time travel game. So, you know, you, you know, you know that I'm not spoiling anything here. Yeah, it's the skins. They're, there's different skins and different stuff. Yes, but their base icon stays the same. Like Luke, Luke Hang from if you play, if you play 10. Spoiler alert, he died. Uh, he was a he's a revenant uh, in this game. Time travel. There is a past Luke King who is alive. Uh, so now it's so not when I when I play the regular fighting game. All I ever have the option of picking at is revenant Luke King. Unless I change a skin. I want I want to be able to just flip that around or even uh, do like Smash did and just put, you know, both versions of them. Echo fighters. We need echo fighters in Mortal Kombat 11. <laughs> I'm, I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. <laughs> I actually haven't messed around with that aspect yet. I'm surprised that in order to get them to look that way, you actually have to go in and customize them. That actually is kind of disappointing. I mean, but you know what? Injustice was the same way. Uh, if you want it, I do believe your baseline Ninja Turtle was, uh, I think it was Leonardo or, or, or Michelangelo. But then you had to literally make a new make a new version of each one, pick the proper color and, and weapon 
to go ahead and actually set them up. Like it's 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 stupid. That's weird. That's like such a long way around things. That's so weird. Like instead of yeah. just giving you a toggle to flip it, that's so weird. I don't know, man. It's it's a good game. It's a good game. I I definitely think it's a great experience. I'm enjoying myself. I mean, it's it's good enough that uh, I've bought like what six games this week, and it's the only one I played. So nice. Something, something good about it. Yeah, I've I mean I've played a couple other games besides just this one this week. But I am having fun with it. And and like I said, the story, it, it really. It, it's interesting, but it's it gets it's, better. it's so like unbelievable that I mean, and yeah, Sean, you hit the nail on the head. Mortal Kombat is unbelievable anyway, based off everything it talks about and deals with. But this one is just so far out there. This one is just so different that I'm having a hard time connecting with it on on a personal level, but I'm trying because I am enjoying the fighting mechanics. I it's just not relatable, right? Right. I think by the end, you're going to enjoy it. Okay. I'll, I'm sure I will. And I know it can't be that long because you finished it in like two or three sittings. So the story mode can't be that oh, long. Oh, oh, I, oh, I powered through and had really horrible days at work because I played till like two in the morning. But yeah, because I, I, I saw you pop the trophies for the halfway and I think you had the the trophy for finishing the story by like Thursday. So, I mean, I know you had it within like two days. Oh yeah. We, we, we even talked that, uh, I beat the game. I was like, you know what? I think there's a different ending. I'm going to try oh, it again. Yeah, so that's I, totally right. I, yeah. So, 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 so actually I, I beat the game three times. Yeah. But can you actually start at the last chapter? Yes. Okay. You chapter so, select. so you don't for, have, for, you didn't have to, you didn't have to beat the entire game three times. No, no, no. But even from the very beginning, if you wanted to hop back and do like redo something you did, you can. Because you have choices along the way, and I, I, I did every choice, every path, every branch, because I wanted to immerse myself in the story. Plus, plus I thought there was achievement for it, and there really isn't. So. Did the only thing that mattered was the <laughs> end? Is that the only thing that changes the, the story a little bit? It's there, there are two slight variations. There's a oh, there's there, there, there's a if you if you lose your final match through and through, there's a bad ending. Yeah, okay. There's a there, there's a mediocre ending depending on how well you do it during the, during the, the fight, and then and there's, there's a, a good ending. a good ending if you do perfect on the fight. So there you go. Gotcha. Nice. So there's three nice. endings. And I mean, if you could start right there and there, it's it's pretty easy to see all three, I would assume. So, yeah, hopefully I'll finish it this week. I, I was going to try to power through and at least get the story mode done. But I think for me and I, I remember telling you this, Frank, before I actually counted as a game, I finished for the yearly tally. I, I have to definitely finish the story mode first, but I also want to see all of the individual character endings because much or unlike Dead or Alive 6, what I do like that Mortal Kombat 11 did correctly is that they have the overall story tying things together, like where all the characters are present. But the classic arcade mode is also there and you can pick and take a character through arcade mode and they all have individual character endings as well. After you do the the the, you know, there's novice, there's, you know, the the five matches or the eight matches or the 12 matches, the the towers that don't rotate, not the towers of time, but the classic arcade mode. Those all have character endings. And it reminds me a lot of the way Dead or Alive used to do things by giving each character a hopefully epic, but at least a, a nice, proper ending to their personal stories each game. So I do like that. So I want to finish all that. I think I've done like six or seven of the character stories. I want to do all the character stories and finish the story mode. And then sadly, I may be done with Mortal Kombat 11 until the DLC comes out. All right. But yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I I also I don't know, Frank, if you had time to play or jump into Days Gone yet, but I started this on this past Friday. So on the 26th, when the actual game came out and it's it's crazy to me that 
this game is literally split right down the middle. If you look at like critical reception. So I, I took a quick peek, obviously, because we do the Metacritic game now on the Maxwell podcast. So I took I don't like to read reviews before I write my own when I know I'm working on a game. But I had to take a quick peek to look at like what the scores were at and where people were kind of falling with this. And it really seems like you're either going to really, really, really like this game or you're not. It's it's one of those things where it's it's split almost right down the middle. And the Metacritic does show that. And we'll get to that here in a little bit for what it's worth. I am enjoying Days Gone. Now, I, I think that should it have won our Thunderdome on the Maxwell podcast? Absolutely not. This game is definitely not worth <laughs> having that number one spot. As I mentioned last week, I think Katana Zero actually probably was the right deserving winner because of how well that actually plays and, and does. Should have Rage. I I, we haven't played that yet, though, so I, I can't say for sure yet or not. Maybe Rage 2 ends up being awesome. Who knows if it's anything like Mad Max from like four or five years ago? I'm going to like Rage 2. I'll tell you that right now. So we'll see. The first thing I picked up on when I jumped into Days Gone, I really like the name of the game now, Days Gone, because when you pause the game, it'll what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Over there trying to make himself look like a Mortal Kombat character, but no, exactly. (laughs) The meaning of days gone is that when you pause the game, it'll tell you like 735 days gone. So that means 735 days since all of the crap happened. So the name of the game actually comes from that. So each passing day adds to the calendar you could tell how long it's been, how many days gone have been. It's kind of interesting. I like that aspect now. Now that I know that's what that is, it's kind of cool. Uh, it's definitely a survival based game. So it's one of those where much like, uh, you know, much like Red Dead Redemption 2, much like Horizon Zero Dawn, much like any of these types of big open world games, uh, The Witcher, you, you're going out there and you're collecting materials for crafting abilities or, or crafting you know, you have to craft your Molotovs, you have to craft your ammo, you have to crap, craft everything in this game. And it makes sense. Like, it, it makes sense because you're in this world where the Freakers, which are the quote unquote zombies in this game, but they're definitely a lot more intelligent than zombies. It's it's really weird. And I was actually having a discussion with Kyle on this uh, probably about a week ago. Because he was very adamant that the AI in the game wouldn't be as impressive as what they've talked about. And up to the point where I'm at now, it hasn't been crazy like we originally thought they were going to be. Like, I haven't noticed anything where things changed too much. But the Freakers themselves, they have set things that will change the way they behave. So the time of day tends to, you know, they're a lot more active at night. There's a lot more of them roaming the the area at night because they sleep during the day. So you can go out there and, and the freakers, there's just hordes of them. Like the big hordes you see tend, tend to be at night unless you piss them off during the day. But there's they're just everywhere. They're feeding at night there. You have to be a lot more careful when it's nighttime than during the day where you have a little bit more leniency in terms of you know, being able to run around or make noise or be like, seen. Dying, like dying light. Very much like dying light. Yeah. Dying light. Another game, which I'm very excited for the sequel to that game. Do not get me wrong. I think dying light was a fantastic game. This generation dying light very much at night. Everything was more chaotic. It was more 
intense, I guess. And, and yeah. Days Gone is very similar to that, where the time of day changes things. What I like is that you can start to pick out where the freakers, like where their camps are or where their um, nests, I think is the correct word to use, where their nests are at. And they're usually like concealed in a building or in a trailer of a truck. And you can tell by the straw that blocks the door. Throw a Molotov in there. You take out their uh, you take out their nest, which takes out the freakers in the nest, except for like a couple of them that rush out and you have to kill. So instead of having to kill all of them, you only have to kill a few, which is kind of cool. And as you play mm-hmm. through, as you discover them on your map, it, t- it tags it. it. It is a Ubisoft formula style of game. It is checkpoint based where you are going to slowly accumulate more and more things that you should be looking for, more and more things that you should be doing in terms of side missions more and more things like unlock like collectibles that you're going out there and trying to find or just check the box to get them off your map like the freaker nests. I understand at the end of the game it um, it just shows you where all of the nests are at so that way you can go out there and hunt them if you want to. They they do recommend saving the the bigger hordes of freakers until the end game when you have most of your skills unlocked and most of your weapons available because I guess that is supposed to be like the end game content right now is hunting these massive okay. hordes of things. So I'm I'm about a fifth of the way through. If if the game is to be believed about 35 hours long, I'm about seven, six, seven hours in. I'm about a fifth of the way through then. And and I am enjoying myself. It, it is very. It isn't as good as any of the games I mentioned earlier when I was talking about it. It's not as good as Horizon Zero Dawn. It's not as good as Red Dead Redemption 2. It's not as good as uh, The Witcher 3. But I am enjoying myself with Days Gone. There's there's a lot of things to like about it. There's a lot of things to not like about it. Uh, some some of the issues I have with with the control scheme, the AI kind of gets stuck every now and then where you're oh, walking sucks. with you're walking with a character. And if you get too far ahead of them or kind of like nudge them off their set path, I guess they kind of like I noticed one of these characters was kind of like walking in circles. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And I kind of like had to fix him by shoving him back on his path. It was really weird. There, Like, again, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to to not like. And the thing that sticks out to me so far that I think is bugging me the most is the ultra realism in terms of your motorcycle. So you have to constantly get off your bike. You have to constantly uh, fix it because, you know, the wear and tear of going around the wilderness and dealing with these things, you're constantly having to use scrap to make your bike 100 percent. And you're constantly, constantly having to refuel your bike. You're constantly having to find sources of fuel for your bike or pick up gas cans, do these kind of things. It gets to be a little tedious at times trying to manage your bike. But. Hey, man, it's there. I mean, you you can upgrade your bike. There's so many different things to craft, as I already mentioned, a lot of things to do, a lot of things to find. So I do think I'll be spending probably 60, 70 hours with this when it's all, all of a sudden done. I think if I try to do everything like I do with these types of games, if I get bored and just play the story, then I'll, I'll be done after my 35 hours. I won't go back and I won't do everything. But I'm hoping over the next 20 hours or so that I spend with the story and out there kind of like, you know, roaming around and finding things. I'm hoping something hooks me enough to really try to go for that platinum trophy because I am enjoying it so far. I believe in you, Brian, do it. I really want to see what the horde content is like at the end game. Like the, the, you know, the swarms of freakers and and some of the trailers we saw where there's hundreds of thousands of them rushing you at once. And you have to, it's like, it's like a, uh, a dungeon in Warcraft, so to speak, where, 
you have to plan your movements and figure out if there's a bottleneck to, okay, well, if I can get all the freakers to rush me and they all come down this alleyway, maybe I could throw some grenades in there. You know what I mean? Things like that. Like that could be fun. And that's the kind of content I'm waiting to jump into because that will, I'm hoping satisfy this urge that I have that I really want to see all of these things going on at once. And I really want it to perform well. I want this game to to do that for me, and I don't know that it will. So we'll see. I guess we'll see when I when I get there. Story mode's just eh. I mean, we kind of knew that. We kind of knew that it wouldn't probably have an amazing story. I I believe this is gonna be game of the year. So yeah, you it's still, it's, and it still has a chance. There's no chance at all. There's no chance at all. This wins game of the year for any for any outlet. We'll make it so. Don't worry. No, we will not. <laughs> you can you can try. You can put this as one of your three if you want at the end of the year. But I'm telling you right now, it's going to get shot down faster than you put it on your list. If I don't do it, Kyle will. <laughs> one of us will one of us will scratch it off your list at some point. But yeah, so. So I got a question for you. OK, if you put this up against Dying Light, State of Decay 2. Oh, it's very State of Decay 2. It's very, now that you mentioned that it's very State of Decay 2. Uh, a, a game that I played on Twitch last year for a while with with having you go out there. At least you're not having to find supplies, at least not yet. I'm not having to go out there and like find food or water or things like that. But I am having to go out there and find the other materials to craft my, say, bandages or uh, arrows for my crossbow, things like that. Yeah. So do you do you put this higher than the average post-apocalyptic zombie survival type game or is this like i think i would put it right right in the mix right in the mix with the average i think i would say like it doesn't it doesn't do anything better except maybe the freaker ai at one point at some point in the game may end up being the thing that sets this game apart that that I, i could see that because the 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 way that the freakers are influenced again by the time of day or by the weather or certain elements like you can do something to their area and it'll it'll piss them off and maybe they'll they'll have a they'll hunt you down or something like there's things you can do that affect the way they behave in the game. And that right there might be what sets it apart from the state of decay twos or the dying lights and that kind of stuff. But as of right now, I, I would say it's still just right there in the average. I'm just waiting for a multiplayer like open world zombie survival like type game that actually has some good stuff behind it. There hasn't been and one yet. I just yet. feel like I feel like we're so hungry for that and we just don't we never get it. Just Every time a walk, a survival, just make a walking dead game it'll do great. Oh yeah. <laughs> good job overkill. Yeah. I hope you guys uh, got your money back. <laughs> they've, always, they've already tried to do that and it didn't work out so well <laughs> i guess days gone does kind of tackle that a little bit because there are a lot more because this isn't like a full-fledged zombie apocalypse yet i mean there's freakers there's all these things going on but there's a lot of humanity left as well so you good. are dealing okay. with good and bad in this story yeah i just wish that you could play it and actually like run into other people who are out there doing what you're doing. That would be cool. And that, that is actually a thought I had when I was just kind of out there in the wilderness, like in the middle of nowhere. I was like, man, it would be really cool to see something out here right now or just because that that's kind of what I wanted from State of Decay, too. If you remember when we were so hyped on that game is, you know, yeah. being able to see each other's bases and travel back and forth and do that. And none of that was possible. Like none of that has ever been possible yet. <laughs> 
Can I tell you my, my dream I know, why not? zombie survival game? Sure. It's got proximity-based voiceover IP. So when you're out in the world, like you can't talk to your friends or anybody until you're close enough. And so your volume changes with the distance too. So you don't have to yell into the mic or anything. The gate doesn't have to change. But like, say you're playing on a game and 100 yards out, you see somebody and you can barely hear their gunshot or something. And then you get closer and you can hear them like kind of yelling, but you can't hear them saying everything. And then you get even closer and you can talk to them. It would be the perfect way to incorporate multiplayer into these types of games, because let's face it. I mean, people are not on comms when the world goes to crap. And so if you could incorporate that, I don't know if that's even in games right now, but if you could find a way to do that, you could make some really cool games that have experiences. I feel like when people play this type of game, they're not playing it because they want to go collect everything. They want the experience. They want to be able to be like, oh, yeah, I want to survive. I want to see what I would do. And so that to me, if you could incorporate those types of things into a game like this, you'd have a home run. It, w- it wouldn't be this run of the mill like, oh, yeah, we're playing it because it's a down year. And hey, Days Gone has a shot at being a good game because everyone's taking a break. It would be like, oh, we- you have to get this game. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Dying Light kind of almost got that. And that's why I loved it so much. It was because it had a lot of. It had a lot of those mechanics in it where you actually had to rely on other people if you were playing with them and you had to. You know, there was voiceover stuff like that, too, if I wasn't mistaken. But, Mm -hmm. you know, these types of games, what I'm getting at is they always scratch the surface and then that's it. Like if it's if it's the Matrix, they get they go above the clouds for like a little bit and then they're back in the crap. You know, it's just never satisfying enough, in my opinion. Okay, I think I think that would be fun, dude. I think it would be. That that type of game would would be appealing to specifically us, but I think it would do well in general because that's just kind of what we've always talked about. Anytime a big game like this happens and the the possibility of that gameplay being there exists, we always talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like you watch The Walking Dead on TV and you're like, oh, man, like this is a story I can get behind. Like there's mechanics there. Good people, bad people, people turning on people zombies you know different locations like you actually go to places because that's all you all you can do and and you play a zombie survival game and it doesn't fit that bill you you go to places because oh i need three scrap you know like (laughs) (laughs) you know it's kind of like oh you know i don't go here just to get random parts like i want to go there to get specifically what i want and i want it to actually mean something really big in the story and that's where these games can really shine is because if you need penicillin, like that's like a life or death situation. You go get that, your character dies, like that's it. And I feel like the the game doesn't really capture that most of the time in these types of game scenarios. I, I could go on for days, but, but I'm just have days gone. can you go on for days I, gone? Yeah. Days gone. Seven hundred and thirty-four days gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll be plugging away at this over the next week or so as well. I I may or may not have this finished by next podcast as well, just because it is, you know, a much more expansive game in terms of how I may end up playing it and, and doing the content. So we'll have to see. But I hopefully I'll get this done here 
at least by the time Rage 2 comes out, because that's probably the next game they'll jump into that is a big open world like this. But yeah, early impressions, still having fun, but game has a lot of issues. I, I can see why it's it's split the way that it is and kind of right down the middle. Uh, definitely leaning in much like Mortal Kombat in that seven to eight range as well in terms of my own personal thoughts. But that's now going to take us to the game, Sean, that you played and also transition us right back into Tavern Talk. Yeah, so my time at Porsche, I wanted to get on this show and talk with you guys and be like, oh, I did all this stuff. I'm going to take another avenue. I actually kind of halted a little bit on playing this game. Uh oh. Uh oh. And I enjoy playing the game. However, I think that the startup in this game is way too slow. And and it's it's not really captivating me in a way that makes me want to go in and finish story content. So when you come into the game, I'm not going to talk about a lot of details because I don't want people to not play the game based on what I say. You think you're that but important? I just feel like... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have tens of thousands of people that listen to the show. <laughs> um, but you know what? To me, it doesn't really pull you in as much as it should. And so I'm, I'm struggling to jump into the game when I'm when I'm looking at the limited time that I may have that day to play a game. I'm like, which one do I want to play? I find myself not picking Porsche first. It's a fun game. It, it is, and it's charming, and it and it's there's a lot of stuff going on in it that's positive, but it's not something that I find myself rushing home to play. How far? Are I don't you? know how you guys feel about how it. How far are you in? Gosh, uh, probably like five or six hours. Okay, so are you still in the first month or no? Or did you get past the first month? first month yeah like i i find myself when i play the game i stretch the day as much as i can and that's probably you should be actually that's a good thing but it's probably a bad thing for what i'm talking about like there's not enough happening in the game to make me want to keep playing sure you know i wake up i go check on my craft stations i figure out like what i want to do for the day and then i find myself in the mines and i get these things that i don't even care about to me, it's like, oh, well, why am I going in there if I get all this crap that has nothing to do with the story right now? From what I've noticed, you're going to do the same thing or a combination of the same things for about a month and a half in game time. Like you're going to do the same things. You're going to go out there and you're going to acquire the same materials. You're going to and that's the same way by either chopping down trees or going to the mine. Uh, Kyle was right last week when he said uh, fishing. You definitely want to be fishing a lot because fishing yeah. is a big moneymaker in that game. Uh, I was able to purchase some new slots for my inventory. I was able to go out there and buy the upgrade items. So that way I can get the better axe and the better pickaxe and do all these different things. I was able to have money to be able to afford to do those kind of things. And I'm only I myself, I I'm three days two days, two days before the day of the bright sun, which is the event where uh, Kyle mentioned, because Kyle actually has been playing a lot of this game. Kyle is further in Porsche <laughs> than all of us combined, I think. But he mentioned it last week where they drop presents out of the Zeppelin. That's that event. So I'm two days before that actually happens. But I'm having fun with Porsche still. But I agree with you that it's very slow to find the fun within the game. 
but I do know if you're able to stick with it after about six or seven months in game, the game is a totally different game. That's a long time, though. I know. I mean, if you look at it, if you don't hook me within, you know, as a gamer, my taste, if you don't hook me within two hours of gameplay, I'm probably making my opinion on the game based off of that. You know what I mean? Like when you look at these types of games, we all know that they're slow. We, we just yeah. do. And, and the way to counter that is to have uh, captivating, you know, story within the townsfolk interactions or the area that you live in. And, and Porsche has some of that, but it's just always like not piquing my interest. It's like, oh, yeah, this is there. Played this game before. Hey, there's this guy. There's that guy. OK, cool. Like, what else do I do with them? I don't talk to half the NPCs in the town. They don't have a purpose to me. Like, I don't even go to the stores very much because pretty much the things that I get from the mine have just paid for my inventory to unlock one row. And and I got 500 G from the pre-order, you know, so it's kind of like I look at it and I think I really want to play and enjoy this game, but I'm finding a way to find my place. It's it's, it's difficult. You know, it's it's hard to find my place within the game. And I think that's the problem with the game so far is you can't establish where, who you want to be yet. It, it's it's not like Animal Crossing where you log in. It, to me, they nailed this formula perfectly. You log into Animal Crossing and they say, here's your job. Go do it. Here's your next job. Go do it. Now you can go do whatever you want. At Porsche, you show up, you do whatever you want from day one. You're kind of just walking around aimlessly. Like, well, what do I do? Like, why why do I care if I earn money or not? It has nothing to do with the game. Those kinds of things, like I'm 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 playing to satisfy those questions instead of playing because I'm satisfied. Maybe that's why I'm a little sour on it. But otherwise, I still like the game. Despite all of those things, I still like the game. I just don't know if the game is more of a grind fest for me at this point where I just go collect materials all the time and call it good. And maybe once a day I see a Hulu brother and then I'm gone, <laughs> which, by the way, those are my favorite NPCs in the game. Like those dudes are so funny looking like they are just like they look like the coolest dudes in Porsche. <laughs> Legit, like they're all just so freaking funny and and they just look so goofy. Like whenever you talk to them, they look like they're about to fall asleep right there's, when you're talking. There's to seven them. of them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my favorite's the guy in the purple. Are they loosely based on the seven dwarves? I don't know, but there's one of them that I talked to who wears a, a hat that literally says boy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like the weirdest outfits for these cats, dude. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they they they're so they're they're interesting characters, man. I'm really liking them a lot. Uh, stick with it a little bit longer. Stick with it. Try to get through at least the first month or two, and see if you're enjoying where the gameplay is going from there. Because uh, where I'm at, I'm I'm having fun with it. But again, I'm still in the first month as well. I'm coming up on the first day of the bright sun, as I mentioned. But I, I'm finding ways to actually enjoy this. Um, and, and I it, played a little I'm, bit actually. I, I I named my shop finally. Yeah. What yeah. Did you, what did you go What'd with? What'd you name it? I took a little Brian inspiration. Oh man. And, and I named it Papa Pepperonis. Oh no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> did that actually fit? I had to spell a little weird. Okay, I was gonna say uh -oh. because that because I think what how many letters is in pepperoni? You would probably know off the top of your head. Uh -huh. 
Well, you oh, worked. Did you call it? You worked in pizza for twenty some years. Uh, uh, nine. Yeah, nine. It, okay, is it so pepperoni? You just had, no, he just had to do it without a space then. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I thought he put pepperoni. <laughs> pepperoni. <laughs> Man, Papa Pepperoni. That's a reference to BG Mania right there. <laughs> One of our stupid little silly jokes we've done over there. But yeah, we're going to still stick with Portia. We're going to still be talking about it on Tavern Talk for another couple weeks because uh, I, I don't plan on putting it down anytime. Like, I still am load. I Now, this week, I didn't load it up every single day. Last week, I did at least for an hour every day. This week, I did not do that. I think I only played it Maybe, twice this week. Yeah. Maybe that's my problem is I, I wait too long. And so I come back into the game and I'm like, what was I doing again? Yeah. What do I what do I care about? I did mention in our on our private discord chat that I spent one full day. You know, it was actually the second day of the fishing event on the first month. Did the fishing event, won the fishing event, had a freaking blast caught. You know, I, I was able to get some of the attire because I got enough of the fishing badges, went out there, did a bunch of things, made a bunch of money, found some items, did that quest and then it. 2.30 at night, I'm sitting there fighting things and a level 27 enemy spawned in this area where I'm fighting level 11s and 12s. One shot me. 2.30 in the morning, I'm dead. <laughs> Not 2.30 real time, 2.30 game time, I'm dead. There's no saving during the days. I had to restart that day over. If you could have just survived for another like couple seconds, I would have fell over. Asleep. Exactly. No, no, no. I tried, dude. I tried running away. <laughs> it pissed me <laughs> off. I literally put the control. I was using the princess. I didn't want to throw it because I want to break it. But I set it down gingerly and walked away. <laughs> and I literally didn't pick up. I didn't pick that game up for like two or three days after that. Like I just had to walk away. But yeah, dude, it that was. Sucks. It sucks. <laughs> but I went back and I re I recreated that day and with just without dying. But yeah, I'm always up till 3 a.m. in that game. I don't go to sleep. I just pass out wherever I'm at. I make the use of my days. Uh, it's fun, though. We'll, we'll be talking more Porsche here uh, over the next several weeks. Frank, did you finish anything as we update our game challenge for the week? Did you finish anything this two, week? Two games, actually. Ooh, what'd you finish? Uh, so I finished Mortal Kombat 11. I beat the story mode. I beat okay. it with all three endings. So I'm calling that. I'm calling that as as, as, a, as a win. Okay. So you are you going to go and do all of the character endings or? Ab absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna platinum this game eventually. Okay. Well, we'll give we'll give you credit since you're since I mean again it's all personal belief so you got it. I didn't know about this and I've and this has been out for years. Sonic Two, but with the with the, with a the, uh, flip. I played Sonic Two. Did you know if you plugged it into Sonic and Knuckles, you could play Sonic Two as Knuckles? Uh, yes, I what? didn't know that. Well, you knew that. No, I didn't. Uh, but uh, I, while researching the music, because we uh, we're doing we did a BG Mania. Well, we're doing on Wednesday. Yeah, we're doing the music of Sonic and looking at the music in the video. I've seen someone play as Knuckles in Sonic 2. I'm like, what the hell is this? Apparently plugged it in. So I went ahead and I did that and I played Sonic 2 as Knuckles. And it's a completely different. It's not a completely different game, but it's it's weird using the Knuckles mechanic. It's same levels, right? But you're just playing as Knuckles. Same level, but uh, same levels, but knuckles can climb. So there were areas that were like previously inaccessible. Right. That were always there. It was it, it, it was cool. Uh, I felt I feel like it was harder. Okay. Uh, because you know it's it wasn't he designed for him. He doesn't use the items the same way that uh, Sonic does. Right. Right. So, but it was it was cool. I, I something I didn't even know about a game that I've had for years and years and years, just finally kind of. I've only ever plugged uh, like random games into it to play the bonus round or Sonic 3. Mm -hmm. Apparently you could plug Sonic 1 into it as well and uh, do bonus levels with like passwords. But there you go. 
Nice. So, oh, that was a unison nice. My, yeah, that was a good one there. <laughs> I, I did it. Jinx, Jinx, you owe me soda. <laughs> it's cool to learn things that I had no idea about for like old retro games. Yeah. And and that actually takes you now above where you should be because I put you at 18 games and you should be at 17. So you're, you're back on track. I, for the first time this year, Whoa. did not finish a game this week. I did not finish a single thing this week. Well, you're, well, you're so far ahead. I actually am not. I'm, I'm, I'm at 36 games. I should be at 34. So because mine go up by two each week, if I don't finish anything this week, I will. I have another leeway week this week where I can still get away with it. But I got to finish at least one this week. Uh, but I'm going to push for more. Combat for sure. Oh, I probably will this week, but I'm going to try to push for more. Uh, I would like to finish other things this week as well, besides just that. And I because I probably won't finish Days Gone. So I need to look at my list that I have and, and see if there's something smaller I can knock out this week. Because I don't want to go two weeks in a row where I don't have at least two games finished. So, but yeah, that's that. We'll now transition to the weekly wrap up. Woo! All right. We got a lot going on here today. We have a lot of things on the weekly wrap up this week, so we'll be brief on these. Poyo Poyo Champions has been announced for localization and will be coming to PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One on May 7th. Thanks to Sega. So that is next week. Also next week, I think we mentioned this earlier in the show. Shakedown Hawaii launches May 7th for PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4 and PlayStation Vita. The Vita is still getting a little bit of support in 2019. Sweet. Yeah, pretty cool. Slay the Spire launches May 21st for PS4. This right here is cool. Mario Kart Tour Android closed beta test is set for May 22nd to June 4th. Sign up before May 7th over at MarioKartTour.com. So if you're interested in signing up for the closed beta test for Mario Kart Tour on Android platforms, it's coming to the I think the beta is coming to iOS a little bit later. But if you want to sign up for the beta, do that before May 7th, because we'll be making the selections and sending out the emails again. MarioKartTour.com. Let's go. There it is. There's Mario. Layers of Fear 2 <laughs> launches May 28th for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. PixArk launches May 31st for PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. This is the uh, like the pixelated Minecraft version of that Ark survival based game, which is kind of interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, limited run games is E3 2019 press conference is set for June 10th at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, where the company plans to detail several new games they'll be releasing physically, as well as their remaining lineup of PlayStation Vita games. Did they do like the PlayStation one? Yes. And I'm so conference. excited they're doing it again. Okay. <laughs> this is them. Yep. Yep. Our E3 schedule is definitely uh, getting more and more solidified because also Square Enix announced Square Enix Live E3 2019 set for June 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, where they will showcase, quote, an exciting lineup of titles and quote, June 10th is Tuesday night. Uh, they are taking the traditional Sony spot which I'm hoping is a good thing because they, they used to go in the ad like the dead of the afternoon on Mondays and it, uh, whenever they did a conference and I mean, last year it was such a disappointment. I'm hoping this year because we have that final fantasy concert coinciding at the same time as E3. I'm hoping their showcase this year is a little bit more exciting, but it might not be. Well, I think we got six confirmed press conferences so far. So E3 is definitely going to be an exciting time, which we will extensively be covering here at Level Down Games. We're going to have reaction videos to all the press conferences, whether it's just me and them or whether it's a combination of whoever we can manage to scrounge up for it. Because <laughs> I know everyone has different schedules, so we'll have to see who's available when. 
Date Alive, I think is how you say that. Date Alive Rhea Reincarnation launches June 18th for PlayStation 4. A game I'm really excited for here. Super Neptunia RPG launches June 20th for PC and June 25th for Nintendo Switch and PS4. Frank, this is the Super Nintendo looking Neptunia game that we've been waiting for. Okay, all right. If you remember, it it definitely has like the 16-bit graphics with like a a chrono trigger slash type-esque battle system. It looks really interesting. So yeah, Super Neptunia RPG uh, finally coming out in June. We also got confirmation that Super Mario Maker 2 launches June 28th. We knew it was June, but we didn't know what day, but it is now June 28th for Nintendo Switch, so it's late June. Will a Wonderful World has been delayed to July 2nd on Nintendo Switch and PS4. Another game I'm super excited for here. Independent developer Chameleon Games has announced Tamarin, a third-person action-adventure game set in Nordic scenery starring a monkey fighting for his family's survival. It will launch digitally for PC and PS4 this summer for $29.99. Tamarin's concept art, pre-production, and character design are handled by, quote, creators of iconic characters such as Diddy Kong, Banjo-Kazooie, and Battletoads, end quote. It's art production by Donkey Kong 64 artist Richard Voucher. It's music by Donkey Kong Country composer David Wise. And it's sound effects by Graham Norgate, who also worked on GoldenEye 007 and Killer Instinct. This is very much like Playtonic. It's a for it's a studio that consists of former rare veterans, which is fantastic. And the gameplay of this game looks so good, dude. It looks so good. It has all my favorite things. It has a monkey fighting for his survival. Nordic scenery. We're, we're done. THQ Nordic. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming somewhere. Yeah. No, man, this looks really good. This looks like a this looks like a game that old school rare would have made back on the N64 with modern graphics. And I am so freaking pumped for it, man. I can't wait to play this later this summer. It's only 30 bucks. Well, what you can't really go wrong with that. So looking forward to that. Wow. Yeah, it looks cool. Doesn't it look good? I'm most excited about the David Wise soundtrack. Ooh, that's going to be a great soundtrack. Yeah, there'll be some BG manias on that. <laughs> David Wise doesn't really uh, doesn't really put out bad stuff, man. He really doesn't. I mean, his catalog is good. Disappoint. Yeah, his, his catalog of music is fantastic. So we'll definitely be exploring. I'm sure that game on, on a BG mania at some point this year. Uh, Black Sad Under the Skin launches September 26th for PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4 and Xbox One. Planet Coaster and Jurassic World Evolution Studio Frontier Developments has announced zoo simulation game Planet Zoo for PC. It is set to launch this fall. You excited? I think I messaged you that I want that game now uh, a few days ago. Yeah, you you had asked if uh, if review codes were already available for the game. And I was like, dude, the game just got announced. (laughs) So Planet Coaster was really good, right? Planet Coaster. Phenomenal. Phenomenal game. Jurassic World Evolution, though. It's okay. <laughs> See, that's the fear is like, okay, I don't know. To me, it's you get excited about a planet coaster studio doing another planet game, but is it going to be too much the same? I, I don't know. I hope not. That's my fear is that they have one hit game. They have more than one hit. Frontier is the original creators of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Got you. Never mind. Retract that. Frontier did the original Roller Coaster Tycoon, and then they stopped doing it for another IP where somebody else took it over, and then they went back to it with Planet Coaster, which was like the reimagining of Roller Coaster Tycoon. So, yeah, they okay. they definitely know what I'm they're in. doing in terms of amusement park simulators. I hear that the uh, the hippos do realistic uh, hippo and rhino poops, like so they're going to spray out and do, do mucks. It's going to be cool. Is that a <laughs> legit thing that you're mentioning here? 
I'm absolutely <laughs> being legitimate. <laughs> okay, that's, Frank. That's the exciting part of the game. Uh, Frank is <laughs> no Frank worries. Is, Frank is hoping he can go first person and go experience it live. I guess he wants to sit there and I, let it spray oh, on him. I would love for if this was in VR. I would stand behind him and let them just go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> The, the graphics in the trailer are pretty impressive. Yeah, it looks good, man. It's going to have the most animals in any game ever. That's what they said. Zoo Tycoon was good. Zoo Tycoon was fun. I'm I hoping I did, too. I'm hoping this actually uh, because, the, again, they're doing this very much like the, the Zoo Tycoon games have passed where, you know, it was called Roller Coaster Tycoon. Then they called it Planet Coaster. Now it's called Planet Zoo. Instead of Zoo Tycoon, I'm hoping that this ends up being good because it's been forever since we've had another good zoo simulator out there. It'll be interesting to see later this year. Doramon Story of Seasons has been announced for localization and will be releasing fall 2019 courtesy of Bandai Namco. Looks super freaking charming. Yeah, very crazy, which is why Bandai Namco is publishing it here in North America. Normally, Story of Seasons is handled by Xseed, but because I think Bandai Namco has the rights to Doramon. They're actually uh, they're actually publishing the game here. But yeah, weird crossover. But I don't know if you had a chance to see the trailer. It works really well. It looks super charming, does it not? That's the one you posted in the discord, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the art style looks very watercolory. And I, yeah. I find that I find that to be very appealing. Like it, it works for the game. There are certain games where the watercolor does not work. This works really well. It looks super charming, man. Story of Seasons has always been fun. It looks really, really good. Uh, Yeah, so we'll be keeping it on that fall 2019. Choice-based action-adventure game Hindsight 2020 has been announced for PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and is set to release sometime in 2020. The studio consists of veterans from BioWare, ArenaNet, and Sucker Punch. So I'll be keeping an eye on this one to see what this ends up being. Persona 5 Royal has officially been announced for PS4 and will be releasing sometime in 2020 here in North America. The enhanced version of Persona 5 Royal. uh, I'm sorry, the enhanced version of Persona 5 Royal features a brand new character joining the Phantom Thieves, a new confidant social link, an entire third semester is being added to the game, which could theoretically take this from a 116 hour game to easily 140 hours plus. New mini games to play, new spots to take dates to, new dialogue, new story content, new locations, new enemies, new music and PS4 Pro support. So this is basically like a mini sequel to Persona 5. Looking forward to that uh, 2020. Our last announcement for the weekly wrap up Persona 5 Scramble, the Phantom Strikers, has also been announced this time for Nintendo Switch and PS4, and it will be releasing again sometime here in 2020 here in North America. All we know about this one is that it is a Musou style action RPG developed in collaboration with Koei Tecmo and Omega Force. So think Hyrule Warriors, think Fire Emblem Warriors, think Dynasty Warriors. That's what that's going to end up being, which is exciting to me. I like those games. We may as well jump now to our new releases for the week of April 29th, 2019. And we will start with the Metacritic results from last week. I totally forgot to put this in the show, so I'm going to put it in right here. But last week after we recorded, we were informed that Kyle would not be on the show this week. And I made him record a little audio clip giving the person if he were to win, giving the giving, you know, nominating someone to pick a game in his place. So here's who he chose. Kyle, since you are not going to be on the episode next week, if you win the Metacritic game this week, dedicate someone right now that gets to pick the game next week. 
Oh man, uh, the Frank's Frank's uh, Frank's trying to get it. Sean, Sean's giving me the sexy eyes. He's giving me his bedroom eyes. Um, it is your call. Give it to Frank. This one's okay. for Frank. Okay, so if, if Kyle gets the point, so Frank has an advantage next week where uh, he's got two people against uh, Sean and Mize one. Now that we know he picked Frank, which is a terrible decision, we will get to our results for the game from last week. First up, we have Jupiter and Mars. Frank, you said 85. I said 81. Sean said 78. Kyle said 74. 10 reviews on PS4. The official Metacritic, 66. Kyle is closest with a 74, but he was over. So one point to Kyle, he is over one. Mortal Kombat 11 is next. Kyle said 84, Frank said 87, I said 76, Sean said 92. 58 reviews on PlayStation 4. The official Metacritic is 83. Kyle once again closest with 84, but he was over again. So he has not two points, but still over two. Box Boy and Box Girl. Sean, you said 82. Kyle said 84. Frank said 85. I said 79. 19 reviews on Nintendo Switch because it's where it's releasing. 82. The official Metacritic. Sean nailed it right on the head with the 82 right there. So Woo! point to Sean. Last up, we have Days Gone. I said 90. Sean said 81. Kyle said 69. Frank, you said 91. 86 reviews on PlayStation 4, the only platform it's releasing. Official Metacritic, 72. Kyle, closest once again with a 69, but he was under. So that gives him three points over two to Sean's one point to Frank and I's zero points. So Kyle was, yeah, you technically do win because Kyle was the official winner last week. So Frank, at the end of the this week, you will get to select the official pick of the week this week. And uh, we are going to do five games this week in terms of our Metacritic guessing because this week isn't strong, so I'm hoping out of those five, we'll at least have like three or four, maybe that will have enough Metacritics to give us a uh, a result next week. I'll make you, I'll make, I'll make you proud, Kyle. Now, throwing this in the episode now, because we've never talked about it when a person isn't on the show. If Kyle comes back next week, he will be able to select the pick of the week if next week ends in a tie. Like if what we say, like when we do our scores now, if much like the previous week, if Sean and I were to tie again, then the pick of the week would go to Kyle since he didn't get to make any picks. So that's kind of how we're going to do things going forward. So if someone isn't on the show, if the next time they're on, it ends in a tie, they get to make the pick. I think that makes the most sense. So so we'll do it. That I like way. it. So we'll do it that way. Moving on now, we have nothing releasing today, Monday, April 29th. We'll move on to tomorrow, Tuesday, April 30th. Coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, Fade to Silence. Fade to Silence is a single player and co-op survival adventure set in a post-apocalyptic world that is frozen in an eternal winter. Snow and ice have shaped a merciless landscape. Nature has corrupted monstrous creatures out of an eldritch horror dream roam the frozen wasteland. As the player, you take the role of Ash, a natural but tormented leader. In that role, you explore a post-apocalyptic frozen wasteland to gather the resources necessary to establish a refuge, uh, a refuge for survival. With dwindling resources, simple tasks like upgrading equipment and collecting materials quickly require an expedition to scavenge the necessary items. In the search for survival materials, you must navigate a vast territory in which you will encounter eldritch monsters and an even greater foe, the unrelenting winter. While freezing temperatures constantly take their toll on Ash, the deadliest event is that of a blizzard. If caught by surprise, it takes every ounce of skill, determination, and luck to survive. Much like last week, I put these in a uh, predetermined order already. So I, I have myself starting this one. I am going to give this 71. Frank, what do you say? I am going to honor Senpai Kyle. Go 69. Sean, what are you going with? <laughs> 
Dude, this game is exactly what I was talking about earlier in the episode. This is what I want. Is it going to end up being like what you want, though? <laughs> I don't know. That's why I threw in the Metal Gear Solid thing, because I was just like, holy, this is exactly what I asked for. Kyle, you know what? The 69 seems about where I want to be, but I can't guess that because Frank took it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to say 74. Okay. I, I think. Okay. Middle of the road. I think it's going to be a little middle, better than that. Middle of the road. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good spot to be. Also, coming tomorrow to Nintendo Switch and Xbox One, we have Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. Return to the world of Ivalice. This HD remaster is based on the smash hit 12th installment of the Final Fantasy series, which has shipped over 6.1 million units worldwide, featuring a new reworked game design, not, which is fantastic, might I add. Not only have the graphics and sound been updated to take advantage of the power of new hardware, but the core game design has also been tweaked to produce an evolution of the original Final Fantasy XII fitting for the current generation. Enjoy a classic adventure, Reborn. We're also going to do this one. We're going to take either the Nintendo Switch or Xbox One Average, which has more, whichever has more reviews. Okay. Sean, what do you say? Okay, Final Fantasy XII was a game that I really enjoyed, but I never played to completion. And, and I, gosh, I am debating whether or not I want to even try to get this game, but. I think you should, man. I really did enjoy the Zodiac Age update. I played it on PS4. It's a great game. I definitely think it's worth playing. I think it's going to get a 72. Okay. 72 for, 72 for Sean. I am going to take the the same type of thinking, but I'm going to increase it by 10. I'm going to go 82. <laughs> Whoa, okay. I'm going to go 82. Frank, what do you say? Just because I like the prices right rules, I'm gonna go 83. Because I was gonna say 81. But, uh. So you have the entire Whoa. the entire upper realm now. <laughs> yeah, so that that's pretty much a point for Frank there. That's 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 But but my official if I were to pick, pick a number, I say 88 is where it hits, but I'm taking 83 up. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's probably smart because it gives you a little bit more gives you a little more room to work with in terms of winning. So yeah. Good done. Well done to you. In the end, that's all that matters. I have to win. Well done to you. <laughs> also coming tomorrow to PC, PS4, Xbox One, Fell Seal Arbiter's Mark. Fell Seal Arbiter's Mark is a story-driven, turn-based tactical RPG set in a fantasy world with a touch of steampunk. Take control of the Arbiter Kyrie, an agent of the Immortal Council tasked with preserving stability and order throughout the land, and lead your troops through difficult encounters. Uh, I looked into this a little bit. It doesn't seem that intriguing to me. I, I thought about it for a minute, but I think I'm going to pass on this one. It's yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's it probably will have intriguing qualities about it, but I think I'm going to skip over it. Our last game coming tomorrow to PC is Neverinth, the never ending labyrinth. The gods are dead and the tree of life. Yggdrasil summons her last hope to the Neverinth. History's strongest women heed the call and begin the trial, but only those who pass will earn the sacred title of Valkyrie. Explore the ever-changing halls of the Neverinth and uncover the history of the Valkyrie. Do glorious battle against the beasts and monsters of, North, of Norse legend and uncover the hidden pasts of each heroic woman. But their trials will not be easy as they face down those that haunt the sacred halls of Valhalla and face down aftermath of Ragnarok. Frank, I think you'd enjoy this one. Uh, it's a roguelike. I'm sure I would like it. Uh, plus, yeah, yeah. I, I love I love the Valkyrie. I killed the bull in God of War. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the same type of content you enjoy. It's the same story stuff. It's it's all the things that really that you enjoy. Yeah, as I said. So keep an eye on this nice. one. 
again, it didn't seem interesting enough to me to really put on my radar, but I don't know. There might be some good stuff there. Who knows? We'll move on to tomorrow, Wednesday, May 1st, coming to Nintendo Switch. Tabletop Racing World Tour Nitro Edition. Get behind the wheel of 16 ultra-cool miniaturized racing cars and engage in combat racing like no other. Master over 30 tabletop racetracks and over 180 events in a bid for glory, then take the battle online and compete with the best in the world. On Nintendo Switch, you can bring CM a friend Punk? too. Yeah, I guess so. He is back. Shane McMahon. <laughs> Race offline or online with two new split screen game modes. Go head to head in split screen versus battle mode and take on the AI or get online with split screen online mode and take on the world. Crush your enemies with eight cunning power ups and six unique weapon wheels and blast your way to victory. Pint sized powered up racing has never looked so good or been so much fun. <laughs> We're not doing this one, but it does remind me a lot of um, the old uh, Hasbro, like, not was it Hasbro that made those games? I can't remember the ones that made like the Matchbox racing games. I can't remember who what studio made those, but they used to you be mean, like, 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 like Micro Machines, those games. Yeah, there used to be there used to be ones that were based on like the actual cars that you could buy in stores and you know, like building tracks and that kind of stuff like on tabletops. It reminds me a lot of that. Uh, I've, I've kind of always wanted to play this to see how it is, but I've never had a chance to yet. So maybe I'll pick it up on Switch. I have no idea. You know, it doesn't look that bad, honestly. It doesn't look bad. That's why I said I've always wanted to play it because I like the the concept of the of the game. So I don't know that I'll pick it up on Switch, but I might. We'll see. Moving on to Thursday, huh. May 2nd, we have a couple more games coming out. Uh, the first coming to PC, Close to the Sun. It's 1897. Deep in international waters, the Helios stands still. Dark clouds loom overhead as unforgiving waves crash against the hull. Colossal effigies of gold decorated with magnificent finery stretch as far as the eye can see. Born of Nikola Tesla's vision, the Helios serves as a haven for the greatest scientific minds. An unbound utopia for research, independent from state and isolated from the gaze of society. Free to push the boundaries of matter and time. Journalist Rose Archer steps aboard the Helios in search of her sister Ada. She quickly discovers not all is as it seems. Grand halls stand empty. The stench of rotting flesh lingers in the air. Silence. A single word is painted across the entrance. Quarantine. This, it has a lot of survival horror elements baked in, but it also has a lot of like first person puzzle solving elements baked in as well. Seems like a great freaking game. Uh, looking forward to this one. Frank, what are you saying the Metacritic ends up being? 71. Sean? I think this is a dark horse, man. I'm going to go 78. I am going an even 80. Whoa. I think uh, Thanks I think, a lot, Brian. I think there's enough here that uh, that I think that it could actually get higher than that. But much like Frank earlier, and I, I didn't I didn't do the whole stupid, you know, I'm 79. No, I'm going to go the even 80. <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks for giving me the two bucks. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, give you give you a little bit to work with because that, that is what I think the score is going to be. We may have to we may have to work on that price is right rule because I don't want that to become a, a, a thing going forward because that's going to only I only wanted it to be if you picked the same. Uh, oh, gosh, if, if there was like a tie. So like, yeah, let's I think, say the, let's say the game scored an 80 and I picked well, a 70, well, maybe 70, next week. Picked an 83. Well, no, it, 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 it will start next week. Yeah, it will. It will start next week. But I, I think that, you know what I mean? yeah, I think that we have to do something because I don't want that to be the norm going forward. What Frank did with uh, with Final Fantasy 12, 
<laughs> you did me dirty, kid. Well, no, it's, it's, it's all about the game and how you play it. That, that's that's exactly right. But I, I think I want to change it because the game is meant to be. What do you think the score is? Not how close can I get? <laughs> Again, there's a price right. you should pay. So I okay. think I think next week our tiebreaker will be changing. That will not be a uh, a rule going forward after this week. The next game coming to uh, Thursday, May 2nd to PC, Nintendo Switch and PS4, The Swords of Ditto Mormo's Curse. The Swords of Ditto is a roguelike action RPG that creates a unique adventure for each new hero of legend in the relentless fight against the evil Mormo. Explore a delightful but dangerous overworld, brave menacing dungeons and improve your hero in a charming village during your quest to overcome the evil that plagues the island. Unleash the mystical sword of Ditto and grab a co-op friend for an unforgettable adventure filled with delightful characters, extraordinary loot, and heroic battles. The Mormo's Curse update will feature new locations, powerful weapons and toys, a horde of new enemies and bosses, and no more permanent death for the adventurers. So they're totally changing the game with this. We're gonna take the we're gonna take the Metacritic average of this game, but because the sword of Ditto is already available on PC and PS4. Unless they review Mormo's Curse individually, we will just be looking at the Switch version, which comes out the same day, uh, May 2nd, because the, the, the Switch version has yet to be released. So unless they review the DLC individually, we are just going to be looking at the Switch version. I am going to go with a 76. Uh, Frank? 80. Sean? I'm going to say 72. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Swords of Ditto, a game that uh, I thought bombed, actually, did not do well when it first came out. Uh, if you remember last year, Frank, get, well, get, getting rid of permadeath, though, might actually that's why I bumped it up. Yeah. So and I remember because I think you bought Swords of Ditto, but then returned it on Steam mm -hmm. within like two hours because you just did not like it. So, yeah, getting, exactly. getting rid of permadeath and um, some of the changes that they've made. I think this could actually make the game a lot more enjoyable. So we'll have to wait and see. Our last game coming out this week to Friday, May 3rd, coming to Nintendo Switch, Shadows of Adam. Tucked away from the outside world by the impenetrable haze of the misty woods, the village of Adam has mostly lived in peace since the days of the Wraith War. The dark power that fueled the war has vanished, but darkness is descending once more and Adam's legendary hero, Orazio, is no more. Ten years ago, he left without explanation and never returned, leaving his son and adopted daughter to wrestle with the dark secret he left behind. A secret that must now be revealed if the, if the children hope to save both Adam and their departed father, though its revelation could unhinge the world. Shadows of Adam is a creative, humorous, and exciting take on the 16-bit JRPG era, but with its own twists and style for the modern-day gamer. Fast-paced battles, gorgeous graphics, an awesome soundtrack, and the, con uh, and the convenience to save anywhere you like make it tough to resist. Whether playing on the TV or in handheld mode, the game's glorious pixels will immerse you in the new adventure, or I'm sorry, will immerse you in the adventure and its memorable scenes. Metacritic scores for this one, starting with Sean. Oh, it's not going to be good. 68. Ooh, that, that hurts, man. Uh, you think it's going to be bad? You think it's going to be that low? 68. I'm huh? scared because it looks when so we good. read these things, when we read these things off, off the, the show, kids, we pull from what they're advertising. Correct. Yeah. What, what, what they're talking <laughs> this about. This is written by them. <laughs> and when when you advertise the fact that it's like you can save anywhere, making it tough to resist, or you know the glorious pixels, and then sell me on the premise of the game, not what the game is like uh, statistically. Like you know, like oh, it's it's got really great graphics and a great soundtrack, like. The game should sell me on the, the story like, hey, 
this cool story is happening. We're going to uncover this secret from the world's greatest hero and it's going to shake the universe. Like that would have been perfect enough. But then they started talking about all the, the different gameplay mechanics and hater how you're going to like it. <laughs> I, I, I just I don't know. It seems a little desperate to me. Okay. You know, it's like, hey, we can't sell you enough on what the game is. We got to talk to you about how we made it. Right. Makes I don't know. Sense. It's, it's scary. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But the the inclination I have is not good. Okay. So Sean's going with 68. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 73. Frank. Wow, that's right right where I wanted to be too. Uh, <laughs> 74. Okay. All right. So that's. I, I'm you hoping it's better no, than that. I'm I, hoping I, it's better than that though. I really want to play. Say, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say 75. I'm not gonna be right against you. This way we'll play the over under game on that one sure yeah that's fine 75 uh I, I am hoping that this game actually ends up being good though because i'm intrigued by it it, lo- it very much looks like final fantasy 4 it it looks like a lot of 16-bit jrpgs i love so i want to check it out I'm, I'm hoping it's good i'm hoping it's better than than what all three of us think it is but who knows maybe it won't be pick of the week this week though because kyle did win goes to frank since kyle designated frank as his standee this this week what are you going with What's the pick of the week this week on the Maxwell podcast? It's a tough week to pick one. So I am going to pick the most Kyleist pick of all. I'm going to go with Shadows of Adam. Okay. In honor of Kyle. There you in, go. In honor of Kyle, we will go with uh, with Shadows of Adam. Then your official pick of the week this week coming out Friday, May 3rd to Nintendo Switch. Hey guys, Brian here from Level Down Games, the Max Level Video Game Podcast, and the BG Mania Video Game Music Podcast here to talk to you a bit about OPC. We've been talking about OPC for the entire month, and for good reason. They blow any previous chair I've ever used out of the water. I'm not a stranger to quote-unquote gaming chairs, and have used several in the past. Without a shadow of a doubt, OPC delivers the ultimate level of comfort and support for extended gaming hours, or in my case, extended studio sessions at work. The ergonomic pillows are a big reason for the comfort levels being so nice, a smaller one to support your head and neck, and a much larger one for the lumbar support that I didn't know I needed until I positioned it correctly and sunk back into the chair. They're made from the same type of material that you can find in high-end luxury cars, so you know these babies are comfortable. After having put over 10 hours a day in this chair for the past month straight, you can take my word for it. OP Seat is at the top of the class when it comes to quality gaming chairs. Head on over to OPSeat.com today and upgrade your battle station the way it deserves to be done. I mentioned earlier in the show, though, that our our smaller scale discussion was very much tied into the, the main discussion we had planned for the show. And I didn't realize it at the time. But then when when Sean started talking about not being sure what Nintendo is working on or if they were even turning the switch into a handheld or not. Uh, the Nintendo 3DS is basically on its way out, right? So I saw an article this past week on Kotaku that was pretty much bidding farewell to the Nintendo 3DS. They, I, I, I pulled it actually the quote from the article here that I wanted to read before we jump into this. Quote, Nintendo is not willing to call the 3DS dead yet, but the company's latest briefing has made the whole thing feel like Weekend at Bernie's. One year ago today, and this again, this was written last week, Nintendo held a briefing for investors at which it said it would continue the 3DS business and that it was preparing new software for release in 2019 and beyond. Just prior to this meeting, Nintendo had announced a large batch of new 3DS games like Luigi's Mansion and WarioWare Gold, and the company pointed to this release schedule as proof that Nintendo still planned to support its handheld. 
Last week, Nintendo held this year's version of the same briefing, and the difference was night and day. No announcement beforehand of new games for the handheld platform. No mention of the 3DS business in the briefing. Nothing at all. There are currently zero first-party games on the schedule for the 3DS, and just a tiny hand, uh, and just a tiny handful of upcoming third-party retail games. Just one in the U.S., for example, and two in Japan. We have nothing new to announce regarding first-party software for the Nintendo 3DS family of systems, a Nintendo spokesperson wrote in response to an emailed request for comment by Kotaku. They said that they can confirm that new software is coming from third-party publishers, however. Which sounds to me like Nintendo's first-party games are done on 3DS. So if that's the case, I want to talk about dedicated handhelds as a platform. I want to talk about do we need something like the 3DS? Do we need something like a Switch Lite that is predominantly a handheld? Should they continue to exist or should companies adapt the hybrid model like Nintendo did with the Nintendo Switch? I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that and we'll see where this goes. So real quick, and I'm going to say something that's probably going to piss everybody off and I'm sorry. Earlier, we preheat the oven. Now we're cooking. We're up to full temp, right? This is what I was getting at earlier. I think the Switch is a handheld. And, and, and you, can, you can be mad at me if you want, but let's face it. You pull the hardware out of the dock and you have nothing but a plastic shell and a cord. So what I'm talking about is, is I think the Switch will eventually be the handheld moving forward and the 3DS is going to go the way of all the earth. And then, you know, maybe Nintendo thinks about releasing a more robust system in the future that's dedicated for home use only. That would be an interesting way to tackle things. That would be how I would see them coming out ahead against this rising generation of really hardcore hardware that's coming out from Xbox and PlayStation. Because the 3DS, it, I think it did well against the Vita, but now it's just kind of gone sour. I, I mean, it's time to pour it out. The milk's lumpy. Yeah, the 3DS, the 3DS has long lived its expiration date. It's 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 gone way too long. I didn't think it would go this long. It's crazy. I didn't, I didn't think it would. And I think this is besides the original Game Boy. Is this not the longest handheld that's been like currently available? I think and they, they kept extending it like just the way the original Game Boy kept extending it as long as humanly possible. You know, here's the pocket. Here's the this. Here's the that. The, you know, the three we had, we had 3DS. Then we had what? The 3DS Lite. 3DS uh, XL, 3DS new, XL new, new Nintendo new 3DS, 3DS, Nintendo 2DS, new, Nintendo, new Nintendo 3DS XL. Like there's so so. Do we think we're gonna get the new Nintendo 3DS XL 2DS new advanced sometime later this year or next year? <laughs> Japan only because they love the really long names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I disagree with you, Sean, in that I say that I don't think the Switch is actually a handheld. I, I think it is a hybrid, as I, as I mentioned there. I use it as a handheld more than anything else. I know, and, and as does Jessica. I know a lot of people that use it strictly as a handheld. But the thing works so beautifully when docked. Like, it, it's, I only play it docked. I rarely ever play handheld. So that's the beauty of it, is that it can exist as both platforms. It is a hybrid. If you want it to be a handheld, it's a great handheld system. If you want it to be a primary console it works so well plugged into your tv as well it does it it really does but the problem is that there's nothing that keeps you from enjoying the experience of the game uh in handheld versus tv like 
there's really no comparison except for the switch struggles in handheld mode, I guess, to generate the image on the screen. Certain games, yeah. Processing the graphics onto that screen versus putting it into your TV, it does struggle a little bit. There's a difference, so you could say it is more of a home console. But I just feel like every part of the game, uh, every part of the system caters to the handheld mode more. Like when you played Breath of the Wild, you you had the ability to look around with the Sheikah Slate taking pictures. You had system features that were built in game specifically for handheld mode, and then the TV just accommodated. So it, it, to me, that's why I feel like Nintendo treats it more of a handheld than a home system. That's that's the market that they're dedicated to, in my opinion, and that's the way that they survive nowadays. Because if they're not going to go toe to toe with a PS4 or an Xbox and have an equal product, then they have to have a a niche or something about it that's different. And I think that's how they do it is they want everything to be handheld. I think Nintendo is actually steering away from just having a primary home console. I'm just hoping that they're not. So I'm asking for them. (laughs) Like, hey, make a freaking system that actually stands toe to toe. When is the last time Nintendo made a system that plugged into your TV that was comparable to everything else on the market? Super Nintendo? Nintendo. Yeah, Super 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 Nintendo, but do do they really need to do that is the question. Do they yes. need to have something out there competing with Xbox whatever and PS5? I don't think they do because I think the market right now is is so solidified with people that want a PS5 or people that want an Xbox Scarlet, but you you have a completely different subsect of gamers that are that are picking up your switches that are picking up Nintendo platforms that have been picking up Nintendo platforms since the days of like the N64 and the GameCube that already know they're going to buy whatever Nintendo is putting out. I think if Nintendo tried to put out something that was more powerful, that was able to stand toe to toe with a PS4 Xbox one. The same crowd that bought the Switch, the same crowd that bought the Wii U. Well, not maybe nobody bought the Wii U, really, but the same crowd that bought, you know, the Switch, the GameCube, the N64. They're going to buy the the super powerful platform that Nintendo puts out against PS5 and Xbox Scarlet. But is anybody else or are they just going to buy a PS5 or Scarlet? That's the issue. Nintendo then putting in all this work for the same people to still buy the platform. It's true. And I see where you're going with that. However... There's a reason why this is a discussion. It's because it's never been a choice. It's it, you've always been a Nintendo fan. You've settled for that. And you said, OK, I'm buying the system just for those games. But if you can buy the system for those games and get third party games that look just as good, that's a selling point where people can look at it and go, wow, honestly, why am I not buying a Nintendo? Because they have all these first party games that are dope. I mean, that's how PS4 is beating the the crap out of Xbox right now is because their first party games are just 10 times better. So if you have that, you're unstoppable, Nintendo. I agree. Now, does the price point go up? Yeah. But we've seen that everybody that buys Nintendo stuff is not afraid of pricing because it's always they always have these peripherals that are obscenely expensive for what they are, and they sell oodles of them. They sell Amiibos that are $15 a piece and people buy them until the shelves are bare. Well, I, I love my Amiibos. Exactly. You love them. Nintendo has you by the balls because you they love do. their stuff. <laughs> so if you can up it and be competitive and capture more of the gaming market, why don't you? 
I don't know why they don't do this. Now, maybe their formula is they're happy with that and they're fine with that and they'll just continue to satisfy that fan base. That's smart. But why aren't you trying to grow your fan base? In in a gaming market where everybody is trying to do more to grow their fan base, how does Nintendo do that? I don't know. They could easily step into the arena toe-to-toe with these big boys and probably knock one of them off their feet. I really do. I think that's why Xbox is trying to to freaking transition because if Nintendo wanted to, they could kill them. They could step into the market and destroy Xbox tomorrow. I don't know. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Can you help me understand that? Cause I, I can't. You, you mentioned third parties and I think that the only, the big reason why Nintendo would ever even want to put out a powerful platform to go toe to toe with Sony and Microsoft would be, to solidify more third-party support on their platform to then increase sales, right? Like that would be a, a big deciding factor because, you know, you, you look at all these games that come out. Uh, let's take next month, Rage 2, coming to PS4, Xbox One, not coming to the Switch, but had the Switch been more powerful, you have to assume Bethesda, because they have a good working relationship with Nintendo, releasing Skyrim and things that actually run on the Switch on the Switch, had Rage 2 been able to perform well on the Switch, it probably would have came out on the Switch, which would have been a great place to to play that and take it on the go if it ran right. We look at what we talked about earlier with Mortal Kombat 11 and NetherRealm and, and uh, Warner Brothers. Mortal Kombat 11, the worst place to play that is the Nintendo Switch. It looks awful, as we mentioned, but had it been as powerful as a PS4 Xbox One, that would have been an amazing platform to have Mortal Kombat 11 on because you could take it on the go and practice while you're out there doing other things. I think that if they were to release a more powerful platform. There's no way it could be a hybrid. No, and I agree with you. It would have to be a different family of systems. Yes, I totally understand that. Here's my beef. Nintendo for you can tell me I'm wrong and that's fine. Nintendo (laughs) built its success on being in the gaming market and being popular early. Okay, so you look at Super Nintendo and even N64, the third party support was amazing. Those systems had so much third party support that they were the most popular system because they had amazing first party games. And you could also go out and get every game that was pretty much on the market for that system. Right. And, and, and as a kid, that was huge for me, right? I noticed that right away. I look at the, the annual revenue of the PlayStation Network versus Nintendo. Nintendo's was $9.95 billion US dollars in 2018. That's really freaking good. That's really good. But Sony's was $12.5 billion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. And I know that it takes a lot of R&D revenue to make a system like that. And so maybe it's not worth it. But imagine how much bigger of a window that's going to be when you've got a PS5 with ray tracing and beautiful graphics and basically makes the game exactly what people have wanted it to be for years going up against what? A a Switch 2? You know what? You said call you wrong. I'm going to call you wrong, but in a different way here. Nintendo's, the reason why Nintendo was so successful was because quality control. 
That's true. Uh, starting with early Nintendo, you had to pass Nintendo's strict, uh, you know, criteria to get there. And of course, companies found ways to fuzz their way through. You can only put out so many games at once. So Nintendo started off with quality control, and they kept it tight. Uh, and, they've, and ever since N64, they've been behind the ball, behind the game for being innovation. But they've kept their games tight. They've always been more about the quality versus the the quality of the game versus the versus how the game looked. That's uh, true. I mean, there's there's Garbo games everywhere, though. I mean, every system has garbage games. We and their system only seems to cater to Nintendo. Yeah, they they get third party support. They want third party support, but it seems like they could care less about the third about the third parties. Getting like a new, more powerful Switch. These games really don't need more than what they what they have. Uh, we want more, of course. They don't need more. The only thing that would really benefit would be these third-party games. You know, if if, if you want to have Rage Two or a, a working version of WWE Two K, uh, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not a necessity. The only thing it, it would help them get more sales, but that's not what Nintendo's about. I, I'm sure, they're a company; they want to make money. But Nintendo's not about making more sales. They're about putting out quality things that they actually stand behind. I still believe the company holds those core values. I mean, they stand behind their first party stuff to no end. I agree. Uh, I agree. But the focus of the Switch thus far has been third party support. The, just, the actions of the company lately trump that, in my opinion. When you have a showcase is dedicated to third party games and most of your Switch updates and, and uh, spotlights that they put out in videos are all about third party stuff and then you have a dash of first party in there. That's alarming to me. I mean, that business is going to change in one year. That is not a long time. I, I so I think, I think, I think the 3DS has like, to be dead because of that alone. Like, the industry is just changing. It, it just is. I would love this new uh, Switch Lite, whatever you want to call it, the portable Switch, to actually be able to support 3DS games. You can play them awesome. as 2D. You, you can play them as 2, you can play them in 2D. Uh, that's an interesting concept. It could be a small, it could be a smaller screen. Uh, I visually how I'm picturing in my head is almost like a Game Boy Advance, but maybe a little bit bigger. Okay. So it would have to be, it would have to forego the 3d. It would have to be like a 2ds. Like you wouldn't be able to play 3ds games in 3d, but that would be interesting if you could actually play 3ds games on, on the switch handheld, that would be super cool. So I mean, that, that would be your that would be your selling point alone because now you now, now it's packed in with a whole extra library of games that you have. Uh, that is cool. Yeah, that that actually is interesting. So then, I mean, that, 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 I mean, it was a selling point for the Wii at first. Or it was a selling point for the Wii U that you could play the, 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 you could, the backwards games. compatibility. Yeah, it's a backwards compatibility is always a selling point. Do you think that there is a dedicated market then for handhelds to exist, like pure handhelds? There's only one market for handheld. It's only Nintendo. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, Vita exists. And P- the PSP exists, but they were just—they're like it's like uh, Ghostbusters too. You were like flies. You were the buzzing of flies to Vigo. They're nothing. Nintendo owns the handheld market. There's no—they're the only handheld market. Will they keep putting out handhelds though, or will they will they keep doing just hybrids, or maybe they'll go they, back they, to? They, they have to. It's, it's it's one of their biggest money makers. I mean, it's okay. why 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 would you forego a tried and true money maker? I mean, Game Boy alone carried Nintendo. That's true. Uh, to an extent, it's true. It saddens me to see a 3DS come to an end, but like I said, it, we, they've extended this as long as humanly possible. 
a dedicated handheld that's not the Switch it doesn't make sense. Why would you? Why would the Switch exist if they were going to do that? That's the that's the that's the question I have in my mind. Why would the Switch exist if they planned on putting out a handheld? So I don't think there's. I, I, I personally do not believe there will be a dedicated handheld this generation. I don't. I think there's only going to be the hybrid. The, re- the, the, the reason the, you have to make this handheld switch not dockable. That's that, that's that's number one. Otherwise, why buy a switch in the first place? Right. Like, yeah. So you, you have to make this undockable. You, you have to. It sucks to say you have to downgrade it screen size wise. I think it'll have a smaller screen. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you, know, you want to incentivize, you know, actually getting a switch as well. You know, you, you, you really want to get us. You, you want to bang us on both ends. I think uh, that they're onto something with what they've got now. I, I mean, that was my argument earlier was that you could treat the switch as the handheld and then in four years come out with a beefy home console that complements it. Yeah, that would be but, that would be what I would say to do. That's but I think why it, we were talking about be, that. It has to be smaller. It just has to be smaller in size. It, it's I could travel with my, my switch. I have no problem, you know, but I'm also not a 10 year old kid. You know, I'm an adult. I, I, I could throw I could throw things like in, a, in a bag, you know, or, or, or carry it around. But like the joy of as a kid bringing my Game Boy to school and playing my Game Boy, you can't bring a switch. You really shouldn't be bringing a switch to school. You could, though. I mean, in a day you and could. age where where everybody carries around an iPad that's at least the same size or, you know, people carry around those types of electronics all the time. You can fit a switch in your backpack pretty easy. You just you got to have the right case for it. You know, like you can't have this huge can't, thing. You can't, you can't throw it in your pocket. Correct. You can. I, 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 I mean, I you, the, I, you don't want the, to. I think the pocket is a selling point, though. You know, being it's able true. to. Actually, uh, I mean, I, I have I have a system that I can play a lot of games on too that fits my pocket. It's called my cell phone. You know, it's. I think that's where Nintendo's really going with with the quote unquote true handheld market. It's it's got to be mobile. Yeah, they're moving to phones. So, I mean, we, we saw Animal Crossing Pocket Camp with all these. The Nintendo N-Gage. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to see Nintendo releasing their own portable fo- no, their own phone. No, thank you. I think that I, I think that you're right, Sean, is that handhelds going forward, the, the types of games we maybe traditionally would have seen on a 3DS or a 2DS, even if we're if we're just foregoing 3D might just start releasing on iOS and Android, right? Well, I don't want it to, but I feel like that's the trend that people are going towards. It makes a lot more sense to do that in terms of sales. Here's here's a true story. OK, I I broke my phone the other day and, and I don't I don't know what I did, but I think I got water damage on it or whatever. And and so I went to the Apple store and I was like, OK, what do I want to do? Do I want to have them replace it or do I want to buy a new iPhone? The specs on these iPhones. These things got balls. Like there is, they can run anything that a Wii ran, no problem. Oh yeah. Like you look at that and you think, wow, you know, that's a little behind the times, but handheld's always been behind the times. Mm -hmm. They've always been two generations behind on a handheld as far as specs and capabilities, at least, you know, so you look at it, the Vita is basically a glorified PS2 in your pocket, right? Yes. So why can't they use phones for that kind of formula? It, those things can totally do it. And now the new iPhones have OLED screens with resolution. That's probably better than a freaking Wii U. Like it's just, 
Better than a Switch, dude. Come on now. Let's be realistic. It's true. It's true. The but, Switch you doesn't know, have an OLED screen. <laughs> when you look at the Switch on a TV, it yes, can have an OLED course. screen. It just doesn't take advantage of it. So my point here is that we don't want it to because we're, we're gaming purists to an extent. And that kind of, in my opinion, muddies it up a little bit. But I, I think Nintendo is the one company that can be overly successful releasing mobile games and having them actually be legit games and not just these little experiences that we've been accustomed to thus far. I, I think Super Mario Run and like Pocket Camp and all that crap is just like them testing the water. It's not is not anything. But now you're seeing like legit RPGs come out. What was that one that came out? That Dragalia was actually Lost, good? man. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Dragalia Lost yeah. is really good. I still play that. I think they can totally keep doing that. Yeah. Look, look at Mario Kart coming later, dude. The beta literally in like three weeks. That game right there has the potential to blow up on mobile devices. Mario Kart Tour. That's going to be amazing, potentially on mobile. You look how good the Mario Karts were on. And I think this is a good example because Mario Kart always used to release on, on handheld platforms like the, you know, Advance and DS and all that stuff. They were always you can fun make the games. Argument. Yeah, the, the ones on the DS and the 3DS are some of the best in the series. They are. They are. Especially what was the on the advanced super circuit. Very, very good game. Yeah. So absolutely. They, they do something like that. Putting this out on mobile devices. You're right. Mobile basically is the new handheld. So I guess the last question I want to ask before we move on. I didn't realize how far we were into the show already. <laughs> are you going to miss the 3DS? Yeah, I, I, I think we both will. Right. I won't. Really? Yeah, I won't. I I rarely used it anyway. I mean, I played the games I had to play on it. I played A Link Between Worlds on it. I played the ones that I, you know, that I had to play, the Zeldas, the Marios that I wanted to play. But more often than not, I ignored the 3DS. I ignored most you know, games. You, 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 well, you're not a Pokemon Didn't guy. play Pokemon. Um, you don't like the Animal Crossing on there? Uh, I spent about a month with New Leaf and then moved on. Whereas I spent Dude, two years with the GameCube version. I played the crap out of Animal Crossing New Leaf. The Monster Hunter, the Monster Hunter series on Nintendo 3DS is amazing. If you have not played that I and haven't. you have the ability to get it, it is amazing. And then if you play it with people, even better. Like it, you can play it on Wi-Fi. That's the thing that the 3DS did so well was networking. Yeah, you could play games with your friends on the couch (laughs) and just kick it and be comfy. And it was something that was rare. It was exciting. You know, you could get a group of four guys together or girls or whatever. And it just wasn't really my case. I didn't really know any girls that played the 3DS or whatever. But um, get me and me and like three other guys would sit on a couch and order a pizza and freaking hang out and play our 3DSs together for a couple hours. Like they actually did really well on making multiplayer games for those platforms, which traditionally wasn't a handheld thing. Like multiplayer was not handheld. It was more of a like a, yeah. you know, you're sitting in the backseat of a car on a road trip and that's where it shines. But yeah, um, I think Nintendo really nailed it on multiplayer on those like local multiplayer on a handheld for Nintendo. You couldn't beat it. It's just amazing. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do, man. It'll be interesting now that we pretty much have confirmation that first party Nintendo games are not coming to 3ds anymore. I mean, we're still a handful of third party games, but that seems to be it. 
So it'll be interesting to see now as we move into with Bloomberg talking earlier about the new Switch version coming by end of June, if they're right or not. It's going to be it's going to be super exciting to see what Nintendo decides to do now. So we'll have to it wait is. and see. We'll have to wait it and is. see. I, you know, I wanted to ask Frank a quick question because I feel like I, I dominated that discussion. Um, no <laughs> I'm sorry. I was very passionate about that, but he's a passionate you know, given, <laughs> You're the kind of guy who's loyal to um, franchises and you're the kind of guy who's um who's like you know not discriminatory about the system hardware as long as the experience is there in my opinion so what franchise would you have want to have seen on the 3ds that just did never really come to fruition that was it'd be realistic like you can't be like oh i want to see wow on the 3ds but you know like what what did not come for you on the 3ds that you're kind of sad now that it's probably dying it's at its sunset. You know, honestly, I, I don't think there's anything that was missing on the 3DS. 3DS had it all. It was probably yeah. the best system. It was, it, uh, it was my favorite system for a long time. In fact, I, I, it's pro- it probably is my favorite system of all time. That's how I feel. Like, I, I look at it and I think, wow, you know, what else can they do? This is the perfect time. To that's what I say. They did it all. They, you, I can't think of a single franchise that needed to be on the 3DS that wasn't on the 3DS. There's plenty of games, you know, you, 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 I, I could be pipe dreams like, yeah, I want to play the Legacy of Kane on there, but I'd rather play that on my PC. Um, right. And, 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 and that's just being like shallow, but like anything, like, everything that I've wanted was there. I, I, great, a great Mario games. There was great Zeldas. I, I played Ocarina of Time. The first time I ever finished Ocarina of Time was on 3DS. Loser. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I was never able to beat it on the, on the N64. Get good. First time, I, I know. First, first time I beat a, what's it called? Majora's Mask, I think was on uh, 3DS. Loser. Yeah. There were there were also. Uh, really I've, I, I, I've beaten every Hyrule, Brian. Have you? No. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> but you know what that sound means? That music, I should say. That music means it's time to jump into a little kickstart my heart. And I have a fun one here. This one I was actually going to do last week until the. Uh, the one that we that we saw last week. I, I had to put that in there when they announced it last week. But I originally had this one pegged in, but I put it in now. It's already made its goal, though. It didn't last week, but is what it is. This is a another survival-based game. Survive and reveal the secrets of Chernobyl in a science fiction survival horror with unique narratives, combat, and crafting. In a game we are going to pronounce Ch- Chernobylite? We gonna say, yeah. is, that, is that how we're going to say that? Chernobylite? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a survival horror game set in the quarantine zone uh, of Chernobyl, which is, is super exciting to me because, Sean, you, I, I watched the trailers and I watched a lot of the stuff about this game. We'll talk about it here in a second. But it reminds me a lot of what we played with Conan Exiles set in a much more realistic setting. And that seems yes. very exciting to me because I liked Conan Exiles. A lot, actually. I liked it a lot. But this one, I mean, the graphics are better and it, it, it is a lot more grounded in reality. So let's read about this a little bit. What is Chernobylite? April 26, 123 a.m. Ukrainian time, 1986. Hey, I was alive. The day when Chernobyl nuclear catastrophe. I remember that actually now. I remember I was alive at that. The day when Chernobyl nuclear catastrophe happened and the life of 350,000 people changed forever. At the time, you were just a young, passionate, naive phys- uh, physicist, yeah, working at the, f- at the facility. 
And like many, you've lost what was most dear to you, your girlfriend. 30 years later, you're still struggling with the demons of the past. So to finally put them to rest, you are getting back to what's now called the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone. So the key features of the game, collaborate or compete with other stalkers you meet in the zone, but whatever you do, never fully trust them. Remember, everybody has a hidden agenda, always. Face and survive. Boston 316. <laughs> yeah, he taught me that too. DTA, baby. Yeah, DTA. <laughs> Face and survive natural and supernatural threats. Immerse yourself in the thrilling non-linear science fiction horror story. Make good use of your character's knowledge to craft your equipment, manage your supplies, and arrange your stalker's base. Investigate and collect data with sophisticated environment and substance analyzing tools and explore the beautiful and horrifyingly accurate 3D scanned recreation of the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone. This team went out there and fully 3D scanned the entire oh, Exclusion I, I Zone. That. They, they had a guy out there with a drone and they yes. had a drone out there as well. It's yeah, crazy. They went out there and fully mapped this in 3D to, to give a actual, you know, clear picture of what this looks like. Gameplay details. The fact that the traces of Tatiana are present in the Chernobyl power plant is almost certain. That's, I'm assuming, your girlfriend. The key is how to get inside the most dangerous place on Earth. Collect equipment, companions, and information. You can set off on a suicide mission at any time, but the more days you spend in the zone, the better you'll be prepared for the final encounter at the Chernobyl's heart, at the Chernobyl's heart of darkness. Ally or compete with other stalkers of the Chernobyl zone to survive. Remember that life is fragile and it's your and it's your decisions that determine the fate of your companions. You can spend as long as you need preparing. However, be aware that your story is still being written. With every passing moment, your chances of success are dwindling. Comrades are dying, supplies are running out, or an unexpected patrol could discover you. And on top of all this, supernatural dangers are arising around you in mysterious patterns. Each day brings new challenges with the ever-increasing severity of your current situation. Plan your strategy carefully if you want to survive. Every night you return to your base, which equipment potential and appearance depend on what you find in the zone. Expanding the workshop will give new possibilities for crafting comfortable beds to uh, increase the morale of the companions or and a small field hospital can give you a second chance when something goes wrong. It's up to you how you expand your base and the possibilities are unlimited. Um, what are we thinking on this? Because I think I'm sold. I want this. I want the physical rewards. I want this now. Physical rewards for what tier? $150 tier, maybe? That's sold out already. It comes with an actual, like, metal and everything, and it comes with a gas mask. Would you wear the gas mask, Frank? Probably not. Brian, you know damn well I would wear the gas mask, so just knock <laughs> it off. <laughs> so what they're saying here, the demo's already available. They said if you if you back it, I'm looking at the $150 tier, but um, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. But if you back it, you get a demo access next month, May 2019. The closed alpha starts in autumn 2019, and then the full game is set to release. November is what they're saying. At least that's what it looks like. November 2019, right? It looks like it. Sean, being someone that played Conan Exiles with me, does this game intrigue you at all? OK, so real quick, something that you guys may not know about me. A couple things. One, I love geography. I am fascinated by Chernobyl. I have no. gone on. I have gone on Google Maps and just looked at it and thought, "Holy crap! Look at all that land. I wonder what happens there that we can't touch. <laughs> we can't touch." Okay. Two. I love these types of games. And three. 
I hate to say this, and I'm going to sound really sacrilege right now. This is what Fallout 76 to me was supposed to be. Like, I agree with this, that, actually. Yeah. This, to me, <laughs> the studio is only asking for $100,000. Yeah. Do you know how much Bethesda spent on Fallout 76? I bet they won't even tell us. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now, this game has everything it needs to be a hit. My only fear is the low budget, and I don't know why. I honestly, this is the closest I've ever been to to being a Kickstarter backer, and and I might buy the game later, but I don't know if I'm going to pledge. Okay. I, I want to play this really bad. I do, and I'm looking at the stretch goals, and I'm looking at everything, but what's fascinating about this game is that it feels real. The yes. graphics look real. Yes, that's why I said it's grounded in reality. Gameplay, the gameplay looks real and everything about it. The geography is supposed to be pretty legit. The layout of the game is not made up. You know how sometimes you go to like a game and it's saying it's based in New York, but there's this random building that doesn't exist in New York. Avengers Tower, Spider-Man. Yeah. Come on now, Marvel Spider-Man. It doesn't exist in New York. But even games that are supposed to be New York, <laughs> just like kidding. they just take liberties and stuff. This game actually probably has the most realistic layout based on a, a real location, in my opinion, because they three, 3D mapped the entire gameplay area. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, I'm not saying that every tree is legit, but gosh, I mean, all the buildings are probably legit. Everything is probably the way that it is today. It's probably the proper distance from each other. Uh, and I, yeah. did, I, I, did, I, did, I did a quick uh, check on their currency because it's, it's, it's being made in Poland. Uh, $380,000, they're on money, what they're asking for, so. Okay, it's, all right, that makes budget. me feel better. Yeah, it, it, that's a good budget for this type of game, in my opinion. But the game looks awesome. It all does. that aside, it does. All that aside, it looks good. And it's got survival elements to it that actually look legit. While you were talking, I Googled like what Chernobyl's like right now. And there's an article that was like 17 hours ago with photos of people actually living in the exclusion zone right now. There's 162 villages in the exclusion zone that people don't really know about or talk about. Like there's people living in the exclusion zone, which is crazy with like no power and they freaking candlelight and they boil stuff or whatever. But it's a, it's a world that's fascinating. If, if you are not intrigued by that, you are not a survival game player. Like that is the pinnacle, in my opinion, of survival type game. Something that we can relate to that's modern, that has the ability to still have creative liberty because no one knows what the freak goes on in there. I'm in, dude. I totally want to play this game. If I don't back it, I will probably buy it. Is it safe to say? Is point. it safe to say we're playing this later this year? Because I'm gonna buy it too. Well, so uh, it doesn't, it doesn't guys, release until 2020 or 2021 on PC, right? I don't know. It, it says 2019 in the stretch in the. Tears, like, well, the estimated delivery, not all of it will be delivered, right? Um, it's an early access delivery. Early access, yeah, early access is not even gonna, so we're not even going to get early access till uh, November. Steam early right. access digital key November, so we will be able to play later this year. We'll be able to play in early access. We'll be able to watch the game evolve, basically. So early access is something that I am scared about because I'm a very skeptical person. I, I am scared that the game in early access is either going to do really well and they're going to release it or it's going to bomb and they're going to like just settle for the money that they generated for the early access keys and call it a day. I always get scared with early access. Understandable. You know, so 
like to me when they release the early access is it gonna be the early access that's like the five year long early access or is it gonna be like the sure you get what you get i, I plan on i plan on picking up even if it releases an early access i plan on picking it up because i, I like what they're doing here um 13 days it to go. It looks great. Yeah, it looks great. 13 days to go as a time of recording. 2,165 backers. As we mentioned, uh, $100,000 goal. And they are currently sitting at 136,248 as a time of recording. They've hit three stretch goals, well, two stretch goals in the base game. Uh, they added English, French, Italian, German, and Spanish subtitles and the ability to craft weapon elements and special ammo. At 150,000, they're going to add real zone sounds in the game. So they said they'll go out there and record the real sounds of the Chernobyl exclusion zone. At 180,000, they will add a wow. Terrakin recruitable character, the Techno Shaman character in your team. And if it makes it to 200,000 over the next two weeks, they will add the Red Forest playable location, the most radioactive forest on Earth. So that'll be interesting. And then you can see something there might be like 250,000. Take the tour over the real story of and then it cuts off. So there's definitely another stretch goal after that 200,000. But I'm excited for this, man. I definitely want to pick this up. I'm hoping Early Access actually makes it out this year. Uh, the gifts that I'm watching, the gameplay looks fun. I, man, I, I want to play this game. I do. I definitely want to play this game. Looking forward to it. So $30 gets you Early Access. Does that guarantee you the game once it releases too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 30 bucks is not bad. 30, 30 bucks is the cheapest you can get in to play the game. Yes. Yep. And that'll that'll get you access to the actual game itself once it's out of early access too. Yep. Yeah. So 30 bucks for this quality. I mean, the graphics look great in the gifts. Like that's I paid way more for Fallout 76 and I played it for like two days. Yep. <laughs> that's I, I, that's pretty good. You know, it looks really exciting. I'm actually looking at it right now thinking, huh, what do I want to do? Yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on this one. Frank, did you pledge yet or no? Uh, Not yet. I'm not sure if I want to throw 30 bucks into the, the wind just yet. Okay. All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Tag it. We'll keep an eye on it and we'll see how it does. That sound right there, though, means we have slipped into the bonus stage. If you don't remember from last week, the bonus stage is this fun little game we do trivia, five questions, whoever wins gets to deliver the closing comments at the end of the show before I do the outro. Uh, it was a lot of fun last week. We're gonna do it again this week and we're gonna do it every week going forward. We have five questions once again. Question, and we'll do it the same way. Uh, oh Bring no. Bring in your name. Yeah, I forgot we, we, we did discuss that a little bit. So in order to say an answer, you have to say your name. So if Frank, if you know the answer, you're going to say Frank or Sean or Kyle. Like, that's how we discussed it last week after the show. That was actually a recommendation based from uh, Kyle. Question? Request. Please. I have a request. If you shout your name, you got to say the answer within three seconds. Okay. N none of this like, Sean, uh, uh, uh. No. Fair, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm not going to okay. shout out. I'm not even going to shout out unless I actually know it anyway. Okay. Uh, and I will I will count out, out loud the, the one, two, three seconds. Question? Number one, what, and again, easiest to hardest, in my opinion, what video game genre were the original Warcraft games? Frank, uh, they're called RTS. Point to Frank, real-time strategy, RTS, Very yes. good, very good. Yes. Question number two, in the game Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64, the first uh. partner you meet is a Goomba. 
What is that Goomba's name? Crap. Oh. Sean. Okay. Frank. No. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, do you have a guess? I don't know it offhand. It's going to hurt me when I hear it. Go ahead. All right. The answer to this question is Goombario. Exactly Goombario. I thought honestly, both, I actually honestly thought both of you would know that. No, I, I I feel dumb now. I told you I feel dumb when I hear it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's Goomba mixed with Mario. Goombario. Exactly. Yep. Answer Didn't that know one. it. Sorry, man. Tried. I'm try, I try to get questions that I think you guys will know the answers to. So, I always, so I, always, I always feel <laughs> that, bad. That was, when, that was a good question. I always feel bad when uh, when nobody gets it. So uh, still, the game is one point for Frank. Question number three. In what year was the original Sonic the Hedgehog game released? Sean. Okay. 1992? No. Dang it. Frank, one guess? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that that was 1996. The original Sonic the Hedgehog. You want to say 96? Oh, oh, oh the original. <laughs> like, the, 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 the. Uh, you, you, I'm you, said, you said I'm 96. Yeah, so we'll throw this question out as well. <laughs> the oh, wow, my, my man, that's, that's, that's Sonic 3. The original Sonic released in 1991. Sean, you were close. Oh! <laughs> we I, don't are, my brain, I don't know where my brain went with that one. We are still at one point, Frank, for the first three questions. Question number four. I'm killing it. You're killing it, man. <laughs> Which Legend of Zelda game was released in North America before it released in Japan. Frank, Spirit Tracks. No. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm going to say Oracle of Ages. No. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. I'm not doing too good on picking out the questions this week. Uh, the, this, the answer to this one is Twilight Princess because the week came oh. out here first. Yeah, the week came out here first before it came out in Japan. So yeah, Twilight Princess actually released here first, which is crazy. Yeah, they must have hated that. On GameCube? Huh? GameCube it released in December. Game yeah, GameCube it released in December, a full month later, <laughs> even in Japan. Oh, wow. Cool. Yep. That's that, that's a nice little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so at, after four questions, we still have one point for Frank. So unless and the Sean- hard, and, the, and the hardest one coming, yeah. Well, yes, but uh, this this one it's, it's still doable. It should it. it should be known. Uh, this one's actually I probably could have put this one a little bit lower in, but we'll see. Okay. Question number five: The internet meme "All your base are belong to us" is based on a poorly translated version of which game? Sean. No. Uh, <laughs> <I'll go. laughs> that was you. <laughs> that doesn't count. No, I know this too. Oh man. It's uh, a Konami game, isn't okay, it? Okay, Frank. Space Harrier. No, but great guess. God damn it, that's not right? No, that's not right, but great guess. Sean, do you have a guess? I, I, I don't, dude. I don't. The answer? I... You don't have it? You don't have anything? I, I, I don't. I don't want to give the answer, then. Zero wing. Zero. Oh. Zero wing, but a space harrier was right in this, like the right area. I mean, that's why I was impressed. You got that. That's in the right area. So, yeah. So congratulations, Frank. Frank, Frank you with, level up with. Yeah, you level up this week with uh, with one win and, and right. one point out of five questions. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> so you get to deliver the final words before the outro. What would you like to say? 
my God, how how edited this hopefully is probably going to end up being. No, honestly, I just want to use this time to plug a really special episode of BG Media that we're doing on Wednesday, which you can find on your podcast services. Uh, it was a fan requested episode where we're going to explore the music from all of the Sonic games uh, on the Sega Genesis and Game Gear. Uh, it's going to be a really fun time. I had a lot of fun picking out some tracks there for you. So uh, please join us. Uh, subscribe to that if you haven't already. It's going to be a blast. A Sonic blast. Ooh, nice. All right, man. Well, that is going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Max Level made possible by leveldowngames.com. And thanks again to Dance with the Dead for all the awesome music. Also, shout out once again to OP Seat for sponsoring both the episode and Level Down Games. Remember, you can catch our unboxing video and review over on our website and check them out officially at opseat.com. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash level down games and click that subscribe button. And if you haven't already, while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv forward slash level down games and click that follow button. We're not live often on Twitch. If we ever do go live for conferences or fun things, usually on YouTube, if you do want to follow someone that is live Twitch on Twitch often three days a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays on a typical week, though he did stream Sunday this past week. So he switches it up sometimes twitch.tv forward slash Bruce underscore deduce. That's B-R-U-C-E underscore or D-E-D-E-U-C-E and follow him. He's a he's a fun guy to watch. He's our fellow cohort that you will sometimes hear on the Maxible podcast. And we're usually in chat too. At least a combination of us. It's always a good time. Dude, speaking of, forgot to totally mention this. Forgot to put it in there. Sorry to Kyle and sorry to Sublime. Remember last week when Kyle was talking about uh, the speed running for cup heading. Yeah, cup heading. Why did I just say cup heading? But <laughs> <laughs> so I combined cup head and speed running. <laughs> There's... I was going to say, doesn't doesn't the Mexican runner have like a, a, a good score up there, too? Like, I thought. Yeah, he was number two, but or he was number one last week. We talked about it. Sublime actually is the number one record holder now for Cuphead. Awesome. Oh, so, wow. yeah. And on Thursday, he had did that, I think, on like Wednesday morning or something. So we, we had posted the episode when he still was number two. And then like a day or two later, he got the number one spot. He said he's not going to defend his spot, so he probably will lose that to somebody else. He, he just wanted to get there and wants to have his name up it there. It took me 20 minutes to beat Garden Panic. How are they doing this? He did it. Yeah. 23 minutes and 18 seconds was his time. So Whoa. incredible amount of time. So congrats to Sublime. Uh, who is more often than not also in Kyle's Twitch. So Bruce, again, twitch.tv slash Bruce underscore deduce. Sublime actually hangs out in there now, which is kind of cool. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will be the place to do so. Check the description box for the appropriate links. Until next week, keep gaining experience until you reach max Max level. So what would Kyle do right now? What would he say? Oh, what do you Well, you know, Sean. Well, you know, Sean, what you got to do is you got to clean out your Cadillac or murder or else you're going to lose power off the old 420 there. I don't know what he's talking about. He's always saying something I don't get.